welcome back, loony listeners, to another episode of Into the Night, a Moon Knight podcast. I'm your first of three hosts, Connor. I'm Rebecca. And I'm Ray, rounding out the um, hosting duties. <laughs> um, and tonight we are going to look at a panel-by-panel review of the um, issue 188 of Moon Knight by Max Bemis and Jason Burrows, Crazy Runs in the Family. Uh, we've also got a bit of news as well, so um, sit back, relax, grab your issue, and get your concho on. So yes, welcome back, you two. It's a big episode. We've been waiting ever since the first episode of this started. Ugh for a new Moon Knight series. Now we have the first issue in our hot little hands. Yeah, we're finally we're finally here after like waiting for so long and we have um the wonderful Rebecca with us to share it with. How are you going, Rebecca? I'm going very well. I have a cat in my arms now. <laughs> <laughs> Your hands uh, are full literally. She wants to talk she said there was a cat in the issue so she wanted to come and have a look. Um, oh. oh yeah, no, it's I mean it's just crazy, and we still have to say though that like we say, oh we've been waiting for a new Moon Knight for ages. Moon Knight has not done badly this time round for not having a long break between runs. <laughs> <laughs> and, and if you and if I think I remember correctly, it was about the same length of time between the Bun and uh, Lemire issues. Yeah, so, I we think don't have much to complain about. Yeah. Considering everyone, you'll hear a lot of people refer to him as like not a mainstream one of the heroes doesn't do too badly for being in the consciousness which no, which is always, great yeah he's he's always seems to be always seems to be up there and um just the other day i saw you know marvel's most underrated character i think in the universe um there's always kind of um yeah he's always kind of like in the periphery of uh, i think it's of, probably because there's, there's nothing quite like him in the marvel world mm. even when you compare also, to like nighthawk and stuff it's Come not on. Yeah, I know, but you know what the comparison <laughs> would be. Um, but like, but even say like Nighthawk and the other, you know, it's it's just not the same. There's something yeah. so complex and nuanced about him that yeah, that, and, that and people love to play with him in terms of creativity yeah. as well. And and the they've had a, a slew of really good creators as well, which which hasn't um you know hasn't done any damage to to the character. So um kind of very lucky that yeah. that Moon Knight's had all these like you know from Ellis to to Lemire has just been like you yeah. know we keep on lauding about Lemire um and so tonight we have uh, the introduction or the the uh the maiden issue from Max Bemis which um everyone's been anticipating um what b- before we get into it though um just overall like, what was the first kind of impressions um, my first impression was I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why. That sounds like very negative. Um, but I guess I always go into these things. Like after coming out of Lemire's run, you're just like, can I can I possibly love a comic more? Mm-hmm. And the answer is like, no. So therefore, <laughs> like, how am I going to react to something totally different? And the, um, the glimpses, of the, the sort of previews of the art, I'd been like, oh, it's all right. You know, mm. it's fine. Yeah. Something I'm not used to that style of art. And then yeah. came out of it going, I love the art. Like so that was really yeah. I did like a a total sort of one eighty on the art. Um Yeah. And just feeling very confident we're in for another good run, I guess. 
was my that was mm. my main takeaway. Mm. Like I liked this. It was like coming out and going like, <laughs> no, I really liked it. <laughs> yeah, no, and and uh, and how about you, Connor? Uh, yeah, I was the same as Rebecca. Like I still had faith this was going mm. like Bemis and Burroughs had a good handle on Moon Knight and I enjoy the issue, but like I still enjoyed it so much more than I was expecting. I think Bemis is writing. You know, I love. Um, his book Centipede. I love. Um, I love what I've read of Full Killer so far, but it, like the writing in this issue was so dynamic. It was so smart. It was so eloquent. And Burroughs' art, like the previews, just didn't even show half of Burroughs' talent when it came to what he drew in this issue. So getting the issue was just a whole new experience. It was crazy. Yeah, I totally agree as well. Uh, especially with um, with Burroughs. Uh, look, his, the previews that we got were, were tantalising and were, were good. Uh, I didn't expect it to, to go up another level actually reading the issue, and I was surprised at the, the level of actual detail that um, Burroughs put in, in some of the pages, which was just fantastic. I think also um, Lopez, Matt Lopez, um, mm. the colourist, mm. really, really kind of um, brought everything out even more. Um, and, yeah, just going back to what you're saying, Rebecca, as well, um, I'd have to say Max Bemis and Burroughs would probably have to have the the hardest gig in the Marvel business uh, following up from Lemire and Smallwood. So, um, Yeah, I, th- know, I, think, totally I, th- I think Wade Samney probably have uh, a slightly tough run, but they're Wade and Samney, so... Uh, and they, oh. so like, I mean, I, I think it is a tough gig to go into cap after the Hydra cap storyline. Um, oh yes yeah yeah definitely. but in a different way yep, because yep. mark wade written very successful cap before they know the character they know what they're doing mm. there's no there's no problem selling up samney's art so like i yeah. mean it, it's difficult in a different way but i think you're right i think this was uh following the last moon Knight run which was shocking i mean it would be akin to going and following <laughs> king's vision honestly mm. yes yeah i mean uh in like what yeah, you exactly. do with the character now and mm, they've found mm. something to do, and hey, yeah. you know, I'm I'm all on board. Yeah, I mean, and and right as well as you're saying, like Wade and, and Sumney are a bit of a super team in themselves, so um, they they had their reputation, I guess, to to kind of help them along. Exactly. Uh, Bemis, yeah, he basically had um, the worst X Men and Full Killer really to um, on on his CV. Uh, both of which Marvel, are great, Marvel wise. Yeah, 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 both of which are great, but, but you they're know, not really as high profile. In any way? No, not at all. So you could um, you could argue that uh, yeah, this is one of Marvel's kind of gambles, and um, and Burroughs as well. He, he's done a lot of very different sort of things uh, than. Is this his first Marvel um, venture? So, do, yeah, do we know? I uh, yeah, I believe yeah. so. Wow, because he's really such a talented artist. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. So. Um, yeah, first impressions, they uh, they speak volumes. Uh, um, so we'll get into a panel-by-panel panel review um, very shortly. But first up, Connor, we have some news, I guess. Yeah, luckily um, it wasn't just three people and their cats on the uh, internet noticing the incredibleness <laughs> of this uh, issue. So we have a lot of... Um, a lot of uh, great review sites coming in with their hot takes on this issue. All of it um, at least... Very positive, you know, not mm-hmm. not critique free, but there was a lot of um hype surrounding it. Uh, mm-hmm. Our first was from um, Longbox Shortlist. Mm-hmm. We had some. Yeah. Um, oh. oh, sorry, I bet say so, yeah. This came out like really early. I think this one came out. Um, oh yeah. Um, I think prior to 
uh, yeah, on the 6th. So it came out um, before the issue was released. Damn. Uh, wow. Yeah. Um, and we are, by the way, we will link these all in the description. Um, we won't uh, take too much time going over this. We'll have our own big, long thoughts in this episode. So we'll just sort of crank through them. Um, we have Sci-Fi Wire as well coming mm-hmm. with their... Um, sort of list of the new comics to pick up and they had a uh, some of their own glowing praise for moon knight as one to definitely pick up for all readers out there yeah uh yeah and then we also had one from uh comicbook.com as well which is actually is uh is, is quite a good one it's one of the first um uh Apart from the, the the two prior that Connor was mentioning, uh, it's starting to get in depth. Um, so I think this one was actually released um, post release of the of the book as well. Uh, and we have a few more as well. We, we've um, again, as Connor said, we'll, we'll put them in the show notes. We have them from um, from Newsarama, uh, and then also from Comics Beat uh, and Comics First, which is a is a comicsfirst.com, which is a pretty cool website as well. Um, so each of them. I thought they were quite. Um, I think, as I mentioned in the last episode, it was really good to to give it a read after you read the issue, and um, mm. yeah, some of it was quite insightful. I think, um, uh, and, and not just um, either you know slagging an issue off or, or just giving it you know just um, blind praise. There were actually a lot of thoughtful points in them. Yeah, and all reviews will always have something you don't pick up on. So even if you um, read the issue, loved it, I recommend checking all the links out. We'll put in the uh, show notes. Mm-hmm. And uh, a couple of other bits of, oh, well, there's a, just the next one was, unfortunately, I think we all missed out on this one. Um, uh, XM Studios. Yeah. Oh, did you see the price? Yeah, that's what I'm just looking <laughs> at. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. There's I, I no missing out on, trust me. <laughs> yeah, it had, had a snowball's chance in hell with that yeah. one. I, I thought, like, when I saw it, like, it was a beautiful statue. Anyway, Looney's what we're talking about is XM Studios. They released a Moon Knight statue, and this was a, a cold-cast porcelain statue. And each of the statues, there was a limited uh, a number, uh, is, is hand-painted. So um, very, very, um, you know, very uh, – the craftsmanship is right up there. Uh, it goes on for about – Goes for about I think 990 euro, um, so uh, it was way beyond I guess yeah. my uh, my pay grade. <laughs> um, but you know, happily found out that it was all sold out already. So um, <laughs> we have some we have you. some Stephen Grant Stephen Grant fans out there. Yes, it seems like <laughs> good for them, and I hope you have yeah so much fun with the model. As in, like, if I had the money, it would be up. Yeah. It would be one of the things. But oh no! Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you put it. I love the way you put I, it. I, Rebecca, it like... sounded more dodgy than I meant. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I genuinely yeah, have fun, just just stand yeah. staring and watching. No, honestly, like <laughs> for people, yeah. I, I I'm people who have. I'm not at all mocking people. People should first of all spend their no, money no, on no. what they want. Um, of course. I can't talk. I'm spending that amount of money on or more twice that much on a tattoo at the moment. So, uh, you know, it's, it's a matter of what's important to you. And I know that someone spending that amount of money will at least love it. Yeah. And it, it's, it's a really gorgeous looking statue. I mean, it I is think it's, beautiful. Um, I, I yeah. just don't know what these it's, kinds of things are worth because 
But oh, I'm that's... guessing by the fact it's sold out, it's worth the money. Yeah, mm. I, I do know a lot of uh, a couple of other big um, statue collectors, and I know a couple of them have like statues they're saving up to buy in 20, 2018 that are going to cost them over a thousand Australian. So. Wow. It, it, it's definitely it's yeah it's definitely its own thing that people do put the money in for and the quality of the statue speaks for itself you know mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen yeah. you know this is up there for anyone sort of half interested in figures up there with the quality of sideshow or hot toys like check it out in the description the quality is credible but I'm not even sure if like if I had the money sometimes it'd be hard to justify it but I hope um, mm. someone listening did grab this before it was uh, before it became sold out. Um, despite the fact it was like a Marvel registered product, I it didn't really get any sort of hype on any mainstream service. It seemed like mm. you had to already be following the site to grab it, or you missed out. So I don't mean that was kind of sad. Yeah. It was very much yeah, like a, a word of mouth thing. And I think actually we saw photos of it earlier in the year of them actually starting to make it because it looks very similar to some photos that we saw. Um, yeah, okay. just the porcelain, yeah. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, Connor. I know this is probably a really stupid question, but um, the the people that you know that that really do collect this as a hobby, do they collect like comics as well? I mean, I guess if you have the money, you could do both. But I'm just wondering because it, um, yeah, statue and figurine collecting can be seen as a thing on its own, right? Yeah, I mean, all of them um, are like I know a couple of people get it from like anime and manga and. A lot of these high-quality figures are usually based on the, you know, the quality of the figure and then the license on itself. So, yeah, I, I suppose you do sort of, you get invested in one, like one and both. Yeah. It's kind of like you get invested in the comics or video game side of thing, and then if you have the money, you get into the figures. So, yeah, wow, yeah. So I mean, it's a, it's a gorgeous-looking statue, Loonies. Um, and if uh, there are any Loonies out there who are listening that did pick it up, as as we say, um, please post it up. On our um on our group or our page, it'll be really cool to see. Uh, I mean, well, I mean, we've seen the statue, but um, yeah, it'll be um just good to see like uh, amongst your collection. That'd be great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah so our next also... item. Oh. Yep. Sorry. Go on. No, I think well, we're heading on to the same thing. Uh, on the success of this issue, Axel Alonso decided to release another preview for um. 189, which for the um, Mark Spectorless first issue, we now have a shot of uh, the Stephen Grant personality hanging out. Yeah, this is uh, it was really cool. Really cool to see again um, without the lettering or the or the sound effects, if, if indeed there are any. Um, but uh, I really I really like this actually. Um, one thing that really stuck out for me, I thought was um, the perspective that Burroughs did on that top panel with, with Mark lying in bed. I don't know if you guys thought the same thing, but I just thought, geez, that's a hard angle to draw you mean someone the lying down. looking like the Moon Knight cape. Oh, yeah, as oh, well. Yeah. It's um, really kind of... It's really classy. ...kind of well done. Yeah. So Burroughs, uh, you know, not uh, always, always impressing us, I guess. Uh, and then you have... Um, you have obviously the like the uh, the visions of, of his other identities, and um, the last one I like is Stephen Grant goes into the limousine and uh, he sees in his reflection um, good old Jake Lockley, the um, one of our faves. Yep, it's but, good. Um, but nothing, yeah, nothing really. I mean, we can't nothing really do <laughs> to pick from this. But that's um, what you want from a preview. That's yeah. that's true. That's true. Actually, and and. 
further to that, Rebecca, as well, um, looking back on the previews they gave for 188, I was just so grateful for that, for yeah. that because, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, except for maybe the um, the one with the, the mummy, like the full, although it was like really gorgeous, um, uh, yeah, I would have, I would have like loved to have Had opened and read the comic. Yeah, yeah. I can anyway, see why um, they but, previewed that though to show you there was going to be some Egyptian, yeah, fighty stuff. Mm. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so um, nothing. Although, might... Sorry. One. Oh yeah, just one thing I was going to say about that preview is um, I'm not sure. Is it the bun run that kept him in this little um, you know, New York apartment? This isn't the lavish any sort of mansion for uh, mansion oh. for uh, Stephen Grant. This is sort of a a small apartment. You can see there's cracks in the wall. He's got yeah. a very sort of flat and plain room in this. I think it might yeah. be. Well, it could even be a hotel given the bottom left panel. Oh yes, oh good pickup. Yep, yeah, um, true. definitely. But because mm-hmm. something, because but you're right though, Connor. Because I picked that up and went, why does he look like he's living in a hovel and then getting mm. into a limo, a stretch limo? Mm. So interesting. <laughs> we will see. Yeah, could have <laughs> uh, entered the hovel as Mark Spector, exited right. as uh, Stephen yeah. Grant. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's um, again, it's it's just kind of wet our appetite. Um, so. Uh, interesting, and and thank you, Marvel, for for re- releasing that. Um, we also have uh, in our next bit of news another return to a a Funko Pop Moon Knight, which is pretty cool. Number two hundred seventy-two. We actually get more of the classic kind of Moon Knight um, in in Funko Pop form. So this is going to be exclusive to Walgreens in the US. Um, I did a bit of a Google search. I think it's a pharmacy. Yeah, is that it's, are you it's guys? A, yeah, it's a pharmacy. Yeah, but one of those that's ones really that, weird. that sells everything. They do a few of these. I oh, mean, yeah. It's, okay. It's like um, I keep wanting to call it a chemist. We're, we're now coming into our yeah. different terms for different stores. <laughs> uh, it's one of those. Yeah. They do. They have like these those massive like not Walmart size, but like massive massive stores. So it's not. And they've done a few exclusives before. Yeah. They did. They've done a few mm. of the sort of double packs and things like that. So. But they're they're pretty okay. everywhere. Yeah, oh, okay. Because in in uh, in Australia, Connor as well. I'm not sure if they have them up your way. The old uh, chemist warehouse, which is the big uh, big uh, chemist pharmacy. Yes, yeah, so ours is just but... called Boots. Like you guys, <laughs> you guys all have much better. We have Boots, the chemist. That sounds cool. Oh, That's just you know. Warehouse isn't very lavish. No. It, <laughs> It's pretty much on the nose, isn't it? No, uh, and that's what you get. It's like... name than boots. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't seen any Funko Pops in it or anything like that. So um, we're still behind with the US there. We've got to get the um, got to get the Funko Pops in the in the chemists or the pharmacies. Um, but this is looking pretty good. It's more of a classic Moon Knight. It's a hooded figure. Um, We're not going to make a joke about how it's a perf- how a drugstore's the perfect place for Moon Knight Pops to be. Uh, Come on! I wasn't smart enough oh. to make that joke. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not sharp enough Come for that. Come and pick up your you know, meds I... and buy a Moon Knight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh well, that's very, very, uh, very apt then to have it there. Um, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna check out Pop Culture. I hope that sooner or later that they'll all pop up there. I, I'm assuming like Walgreens is. It's it's going to be their first, but I'm sure it's going to be distributed later on, right? It's got to be. Usually we'll get diff- we yeah. might get different coloured versions that are just more available ah. everywhere. Like so there might be a full white one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And there's a couple of UK places that sometimes get these exclusives, so I'll keep my eye on those as well. 
Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. And and I, I noticed it's got the the black, the black face under the yeah. hood. So I know we had a, a few loonies, um, you know, saying whether it should be the black or the white under the hood because I think the latest iteration in Bemis's run, it's it's definitely white. Um, and as noted before, white was actually the original. Um, I, I usually always associate Moon Knight with the black um, under the hood, kind of like a you don't you don't see the face, but um, yeah, but originally it was white. Um, so there you go. Uh, and and finally we have uh, yeah just just a few other articles of the reviews of the issue we're about to go through uh, panel by panel. So we'll, as Connor said, we'll put them all in the show notes, um, and you can read them at your own pace. So, so guys, um, it's, I think it's time for Over the Moon. I think it definitely is. <laughs> Right. Um, well, Rebecca, we um, we have the first issue, number 188, by Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs. Would you please do the honours of uh, giving us the details for the comic? Yes, it is, obviously, number 188, Marvel <laughs> Legacy, Crazy Runs in the Family, part one. Let me find the... Uh... Writer Max Bemis, artist Jason Burrows, colorist Matt Lopez, letterers VCs Corey Pettit, and well, there's um, an alternate cover by Matt Lopez, trading cover yes. variants by John Tyler Christopher, some more variant covers by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer, the particular one was Bill Sinkovich, and who else do we need to know? The editor Jake Thomas. Mm-hmm. Uh, VC's Corey Petit returning from the uh, previous run. Good stuff. Glad to see him back. Yes, yeah. he's great. And Jake, and yeah, and Jake Thomas as well. So um, a few familiar faces there. Um, but the big three of Max Bemis, Jason Burrows, and Matt Lopez um, taking the reins for the the creative duties or the visuals and the and the story. Okay, guys, um, and loonies out there, if you um, if you have your issues, please take them out. We're going to go panel by panel, um, page by page with this review. Uh, and uh, let's kick it off with, how about Rebecca? For the We're first skipping page. the front cover, though, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, we can yeah. No, no, yeah. no, no, we don't. We've all <laughs> no, okay. We've, we've no, all we've, seen we've, it. Get yeah, out of here, Greg. Right. Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. We start off in Ravencroft Asylum. Um, interesting panel layout. Three horizontal mm-hmm. at the bottom, three vertical at the top. A little bit like bars. Um, oh, pretty yes. cool. Um, mm-hmm. We've got a quite fairly subdued colour palette. We've got sort of lots of earthy colours, I would say. Very bright skin and bright red hair for Dr. Emmett, though. Which mm-hmm. is quite a nice so we've got So we've got our red heads established. Um, and Dr. Emmett's talking to a new patient i think it's fairly clear straight away that we're not entirely sure who this is i don't think there's any try there's no sleight of hand trying to pretend it's mark um but although we do know it's somebody who's in the army there's an incident um and bang in the middle we have these two horizontal panels which is his eyes look well they're both looking at each other so one panel's him Mm -hmm. looking right the other side yes. looking left. He's got very blue eyes and says that he learned there's a god. She's got very green yes. eyes and says, how so? And that's kind of your opening gambit. 
is mm-hmm. you know you're going to have somebody a little bit similar situation to Mark in terms of army experience and trauma and saying he's learned there is a God. And that's, yeah, it's, I think, the first page. Um, yeah, I, I really actually liked it. The first thing that really struck me, I think, was um, what surprised me with uh, uh, what I said before, I guess, with Burroughs having seen the previews of his art and then seeing this was that I really enjoyed like those two, um, the middle panels that you mentioned of the They're eyes, gorgeous. the close-up. They are, aren't they? They're almost yeah. um, cut, like animated, like. And um, I, I didn't pick up. I didn't think I'd pick this up from Burroughs's art. You know, we we saw a lot of heavy detail from Burroughs, yeah. And and you know, to a degree, a lot of stylization. But um, with these eyes, they they really pop out of the page. I think they really do. And, and it's weird because it's quite a placid color palette, and the eyes yeah. aren't bright, but they still. It's just the little, the shine on them just pops straight away. Yeah, and and maybe a bit of a, a bit of an, a nod or an echo to um, we got a lot of eyes in Lemire's run, um, mm-hmm. which we've just covered the whole arc. So um, there's a lot of you know a lot of uh, evocative um, uh, looks you know with with both of the eyes. Um, also, I guess the red uh, Emmett's hair, obviously very distinctive, and and um, and obviously while well, she's in in Ravencroft Asylum. Uh, but the also the other note I just want to say I loved um, Bemis's first um, opening opening words I guess text to his script is going you say remembering your youth is like looking through a layer of jello um, and I just found that really like a really good way to mm-hmm. to describe uh, like a cloudy hazy um, you know uh, mind that this guy has and also sets the scene that this character probably knows about as much as himself as we do so we sort of know immediately that we'll explore this character throughout like this first issue yeah, yeah. and um i just also say as well uh with the faces i love the um incredible expressive facial work here i love the uh the, the very um sort of you know um placid both sort of um, uh, writing from Bemis for this new patient, but also his face sort of really captures that. There's just not a whole lot of expression, almost very sort of dead-looking mm-hmm. eyes, while you can immediately see in Emmett, you can see the interest, you can see her moving forward, her eyes are a bit more focused. She's got like, nice um, cheeks. <laughs> she does. <laughs> she's a, yes, she's a, yeah, she could be a little uh, bit hot under the collar, a bit, mm-hmm. you know, a bit nervous. With uh, with this this fella, this guy's uh, you know, he's there's been an incident which we'll find out later, but he's not you know, he's not a uh, a normal Joe off the street. So uh, yeah, so he as you mentioned, Rebecca, he um, he he's revealed that he truly believes that there is a God. Um, and if we go on to the next page, uh, he he goes on further to say that um. He, he goes on further to, to speak about um, about the God, how uh, how the gods are, you know, they make the laws of uh, how the rivers run and things corrode and rot, uh, the indisputable laws. Uh, and on the top panel, we get uh, Dr. Emmett kind of really, really invested in what he's saying. She's really listening intently, uh, and she wants to know more about his thoughts on this God um, that he talks about. Uh, and... She's kind of a bit sceptical, thinking that um, that all these thoughts that he's, he's had um, is, is probably a bit too uh, highbrow for 
the army bullies who have uh, kind of harassed him at his time in the army. Um, and we get a final reveal with uh, the last, the bottom third of the page, uh, with actually a reveal of the full face um, of, of uh, patient 86, uh, and a reveal that his hands are in fact kind of burnt and scarred, um, and the fact that he had to burn his his victims. So similar to the previous page, look, we're still in the asylum, um, muted colours. Uh, the only really colours that pop uh, are Emmett's, is Emmett's uh, hair. Uh, but more, this is more of a, um, I guess, an, uh, a little bit more of an exposition on his thoughts or, or his beliefs, yeah. Yeah, we get a lot of um, thematic setup here. We both see a little more into, um, you know, um, this patient, uh, his views, and sort of uh, we get the glimpse of uh, what happened, of why he ended up in this uh, mental hospital there's a lot of thematic use of him talking about religion and a god with mm-hmm. what will happen later in this issue. And just a, a little comment, the um the hair he's sporting, there's just something about it that uh, sort of screams to me like um rock listener or like a metal a metal <laughs> singer. There's a lot of there's a lot of like main I thought you were gonna say serial killer there. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think back to bands like, I don't know, like Obscura and just that sort of really long haircut and the beard. I could just imagine him either rocking on stage or in the, the mosh pit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I took it actually, his hair and his beard, as a complete 180 to his um because we've learned that he's been in the military, which is, you know, clean cut and oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, so yeah. He's, he's obviously... Um, you know, gone far away or, or been kind of distanced from the military um, as he's kind of plummeted into his uh, insanity. Uh, and, yeah, and he's kind of lef- uh, left himself a little dishevelled. I had it as a bit more of a sort of a Jesus look. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind yeah. Of. Well, he's, he's got a very benevolent look on his face, he's doesn't he? There, like, yeah, yeah. Mm, like, if you compare it to later on, obviously, towards the end of the issue, um, Burroughs does a great job here. Like, he looks... He looks like a, like a nice guy, you know, a guy that, you know, he's saying I had to burn them, which is a horrific thing. Um, but uh, he, he doesn't look like he's showing any remorse or, or any anger towards them. So, no, and I think that's a clear uh, signal you're supposed to know he's not mentally healthy because he looks so mm, placid, mm, so mm. kind. He looks so kind in yes. that last panel. And he's saying exactly. I had to burn them. And you're like, all right, clearly we've got someone who's not right. Yeah. 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 We are exactly. in no it way supposed me, to sympathise with this guy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it kind of reminded me a little of the... Um, ha, have any of you watched Backdraft? <laughs> yes, no. not for a long time. Yeah? Oh. Uh, remember there was that scene, Donald Sutherland. There's a scene, Donald Sutherland, and he's an arsonist. And uh, he is going to be released, I think, from jail. And they're going through, you know, whether he's been, you know... Um, what do you call it? Uh, whether he's, he's uh, I've lost the words, um, whether he's cured, you know, of, yeah, of his, yeah. his uh, urges. But um, I think Kurt Russell then just spends like two minutes. He goes, hang on, hang on. Before you release him, let me just ask this. And uh, he's saying it so calmly, right? Um, but then he asks him, you know, so what do you want to do? Let's call him Donald. What do you want to do, Donald, really? You know, <laughs> what do you like? And, and he just says with a little smile on his face, oh, I'd like to burn them all. I'd like to burn. And it's quite chilling because he says it like, um, there's no evil in his eyes. He just says it because yeah, uh, yeah. he's almost at peace and he's, he's uh, a little bit of joy in it. Uh, and it's the same kind of thing here, I thought. Mm-hmm. Mm. 
And it's a very intense look at um, religion, too, this sort of, um, you know... Um, well, I'm, I'm just trying to think of a term that escaped me, but it, it it's very brutal in the way that he looks of having to prove yourself to, uh, to your own God with the way yeah. that basically mm. he had to show he was stronger uh, with his faith by killing them. But by, you know, the way the the reason people hurt him is because he didn't really show enough faith and they had more faith. And so to show his purpose in life, it was, he, you know, he had to burn them. And it was, you know, that's that's really sort of, just sort of shocking and if we didn't if if this was something we knew was grounded in reality and there won't be a, a moon night twist coming later that you know this would be something incredibly just no oh, just shocking yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely uh Bemis is definitely venturing into like the dark corners of you know of, of the of the world um you know so uh it's uh it's a good good little intro um we get so onto our um, next page, we get a we leave our little um, hospital to um, find Emmett working hard in the in the nearing the dead of night. I imagine as the cleaner is going about his business, we uh, learn the patient's number, um, stating that uh, she's finding this job a little fun because patient eighty six is fucking fascinating, and that's <laughs> uh, and that's sort of a a fun little indicator of Emmett's character as well. Uh, and then we um, get to learn a bit about our patient, Eddie. We see a photo of him joining the army with, a, as Ray pointed out, his very shaven hair compared to what we've seen, and that uh, that it uh, it comes across that he was very much bullied in the army that forced him into his um, insanity, uh, saying that basically um, telling us that he was bullied and force-fed urine in a canteen again, and we know that that's definitely not the ex- the extent of what he's been put through. Mm. And um and then as Emmett muses about uh our little uh, little patient eighty eight, she uh recalls a certain patient she had once before, one uh one one Mark Spector, although she doesn't infer, just cutting to a the uh, final final panel in a in a weirdly sort of going from large to short six panel grid. It's yeah, it's really interesting, sort of focusing on what we need to know on each panel of a uh, Mark Spector and the fact that. Emmett hasn't quite let that case go, and it still sort of even haunts her. I like it because the panels aren't even as well. Yeah, they're slightly off, aren't they? Yeah. Um, they're disjointed. Yeah, although horizontally they're almost kind of aligned. Yeah, yeah, horizontally Um, they're pretty good. Yeah. I'd like to say a bit more of of Hugo, (laughs) the cleaner. (laughs) he gets online. I'm, I wonder if he turns into a, a supervillain or a superhero. He's, uh, you know, he's working late as well. But we see, um, we see Emmett. She's obvious. She's really intrigued by this guy, and to the point where she says, "Sometimes I get him so fully that it's like I want to have a beer with the guy." She's working late. She's studying him hard, and we know from this as well. It's revealed that, um, as Connor mentioned, she has a fixation on on the Spectre conundrum as well. So. Uh, she's just kind of really an all-or-nothing person, isn't she? She she really dives yeah. head-on into into a job, um, and uh, yeah, we we see. I just the last two panels were, were pretty cool, only because it does like a, a 180. Um, she has it has her looking um, at the board, and then you you see what she's looking at, um, and while she does that, uh, Bemis kind of does a parallel between. Um, Patient 86 and Mark Spector. You know, lunatic, lunatic joins the army, 
said lunatic freaks out and ends up spiritually reborn in a near-death experience. Sound like anyone you know. So, um, so she, it's really clear now that um, she's drawing parallels. And, and in case you haven't picked it up yet, um, yeah. uh, there, are pa- there are parallels now between Mark and patient 86. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then we get the insert uh, mm-hmm. credits. It's really um, old-fashioned. Did you? Really? Did you yeah, the, yeah. You? I'm yeah. not entirely. Like, I'm not sure. I love the text on the logo, but I'll live with yeah, it. Yeah, and the the dodgy like the purple it's and the turning um, in there. Uh, <laughs> yes. Sorry, that's good. very font specific, but the uh, <laughs> the N and the I and the G in night. Seem to yeah. be very oh, yeah. strange bit of kerning there because the, the original I, logo. Oh, sorry, Rebecca. I think so. <laughs> I think it's very close think, to it. If not, it's very close to it. Yeah, it, with a little bit of a modern twist. Yeah, bit sharp, <laughs> bit of a purple Sharpened. tinge and stuff. But then, <laughs> um, yeah, then we have a hard change to a uh, a party in mm. a uh, fancy apartment. I really um, like this little um, this little segment. Yeah, no, I do. I think it adds a lot of character very, um, mm. very quietly, and there's some mm. some really nice touches. So we've got um, Emmett. They're all in party hats. They're all obviously like <laughs> professionals of Emmett's age or thereabouts. Maybe a bit older. There's one guy with grey hair. Uh, Jewish guy mm. there. Um, can tell by the head covering. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, a mix of professionals. But there's your little. Uh, hint at some sort of Jewish role. Um, she's, she's eating quietly while they're all sort of talking over her. So I think the, the assumption from us is she's uh, thinking about what she's been doing. They're giving this funny story. You know, yeah. there's a lot of banter. And it's that's actually written really well. And then, she's, yes. then you go to her internal monologue. She's still thinking about Mark and the similarity yeah. of Agent 86. Yeah. And As one Ray of the, said, very sort of... Um, you know, all or nothing. Yeah, this case is sort of with like, her all the time. Yeah, yeah, she's clearly using patient 86 as her way back into her obsession with Mark um, yeah. by the similarities. And one of the guest notices said, <laughs> says you've drifted off again. You're still stuck on the hooded <laughs> leotard guy. And she goes, no, I'm just enjoying my duo of lamb. <laughs> it's a very weird way it's a really weird way of saying it i think it's quite cute i think it's showing the sort of social class because um lamb's quite expensive um Mm -hmm. etc etc um and she's saying and it's not a leotard it's some kind of weird kevlar based stocking perhaps (laughs) showing her level obsession because you cannot tell me that that's not the kind of response one of us would make if somebody no. made a joke about a comic character we liked, you'd like be like, yeah, well, actually, <laughs> it's not this, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. 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 You know, um, exactly. it's not, it's, it's really, it's not adamantium, it's vibranium. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah that's it. Which would be the clear yeah. example. Um, and then yeah. the guys say, you've got to let it go. You're in a room full of the, the country's best MDs, one of whom treats Brad Pitt. You owe the Ivy <laughs> League a finer legacy than that loser. Oh, poor Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Uh-huh. Aww. That's what so, this podcast is for, Mark. Yeah. Love you. So we learn a little bit more about her then, that she's also Ivy Leaguer. Mm, um, yes. And hanging out with uh, so possibly the some of guys. her ex-classmates or people she knows professionally. Yeah. But it's definitely a professional well, dinner. Yeah. And, and, and to me, it's like she's not um, 
she's not like a loner because you know how she's very work driven. It's not like she lives a very solitary life. So right. here it immediately establishes that you she know has she has a social friends, clique. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, how close she is to them, we, we don't know. But um, but she's in, she's in this party, like you know. And yeah, she's I mean, having close enough with... that she didn't choose to cancel. Mm. You know, I mean, yeah. it's like she still went out and she's still enjoying it. She's thinking about something else, but she's paying yeah. enough attention to like you know jump in and yeah. say, "Don't talk to me like that," kind of thing. You know. Yeah, and uh, and I think Burroughs uh, again, like I think he draws he draws Emmett really well, yeah. like just her face, like in all one, two, three, four, yeah, all five of them, like five of the panels of the six, right, the six panels, yes. uh, just yeah, really really expressive looks, um, each of them, like if you look at it, uh, yeah, has a pondering He's very around. Good um, expressions I, all round actually, and the colouring's mm, beautiful, like yeah. the shadow under the collars, it's just oh yes. Yeah. yeah, it's really nice and like giving them all slightly different skin tones and yeah, you know, considering the little party hats. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even in the second uh, panel where you've got all the like food on the table, it's just very nice. It's um, it's still fairly muted yeah. color wise though, but she's wearing a red dress now as well, so that's popping a bit red. more than when she was in her clinical stuff. Yeah, again the red. Yeah, and and I wonder if the faces um. If there are any like Marvel staff members there um, amongst the party, you don't know. Not um, Jake Thomas. If... I can tell you that. Oh no. Because he was oh, in yes, um, no. he was in Iron Fists, so I have a vague idea of what he looks like now. Oh, was he? Yeah, yeah. Oh. They made they awesome. made they made the good-looking kid bully was Jake Thomas. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, cool. Ah, oh, that's so cool. How the, yeah. I'd, I'd love to be a staff member. You get yourself put in the comics yeah. somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so yeah, that, that um, was a... Sorry? Yeah, no, I was just going to um, add before we uh, moved on just how much um, I love Burroughs' uh, character work here. I think um, every um, every character's expression is so interesting to look at and just so detailed. Like, Burroughs obviously put a lot of thought into every way he thought about um, Emmett looked in each like panel, like which way she was looking... Mm-hmm. how um like her where her focus is and just i've noticed in this very sort of quieter not so much action driven issue like the, the this the real sort of interest is was for me just really sort of just watching how like her facial expressions worked and how that like relayed the thoughts on the story i think you could really just go through and analyze every single panel with every character especially Emmett, and just mm. sort of see like both what's happening and how that's reflected in her face. And that just really sort of drove this issue for me, even in a page full of just dialogue, you know, that was never boring because every character was just so interesting to look at and having, and and that can be a lot of uh, faulting for a lot of writers, even, you know, um, when people complain about, you know, I, I do love Bendis, but when people complain about how much text there is on one page, I feel at times, is that because sometimes artists don't give characters things to do while we're looking at them, while we're looking at them just talking. That never felt like a problem in this uh, this issue. No, it didn't at all. And and we touched upon it in the last episode as well. Like, I had an inkling because, like, again, um, and I think it's what you were alluding to, Rebecca, with um, it was kind of very, it was kind of similar-ish to, to Four Killer. Um, I, I was assuming that, yeah, Ben uh, Demas would be putting, uh, yeah, he'd be... Not short on words, so to speak, yeah, yeah. Um, and it's it's true. But uh, 
never did it feel like too overloaded with text. Um, and as you say, Connor, as well, uh, it still gives scope for Burroughs to actually, you know, work his magic. Um, he, he's um, he's giving a lot of information, Bemis, but uh, um, you only have to look at this page and see Emmett's expressions, like in, in all of them, um, and, and he conveys it really well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have the next page, which we'll be familiar with with most movies. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, the preview page that we saw, one of the first preview pages of 188, and we get it with text now, and it was released later as a preview with text. Um, but it, it is indeed Dr. Emmett um, at her apartment or home, uh, and she's brushing away, and she's a little a little peed off at um, at, at um, the people at the party, uh, and uh, beautiful. Uh, Again, I like the writing from Bemis here. I, I anger brush away wine stains. To, yeah, that's close to writing lyrics for a song. It is, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Revealing my natural shade of coffee. So that's just, oh, it just, it, it tells, it actually tells you a lot about her as well. Yeah. Like, you know, so she obviously drinks a lot of coffee. So she's obviously kind of wired and, and you know, works, you, know, you assume that she works then a lot. Um, and then we get, uh, you know, familiar territory of her. Uh, in her bed with the first appearance of um, one of Larky's friends, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> her little cat, uh, just kind of snuggling up with her while she is not really resting. Um, she's she's in that pose that um, has her kind of massaging her forehead, uh, and um, and we get the you know in the the final well, half of the page, uh, we get her in profile, uh, just deep in thought, uh, and. Ironically, saying who cares about that freaky, you know, son of a gun anyway, <laughs> and uh, and through her closet we see it's actually her who cares about him because she's got a lot of the um, paraphernalia and pictures of one Mr. Moon Knight. Um, so yeah, uh, it's a, a pretty sparse, um, a little darker page, just colour wise, um, but uh, yeah. Not, nothing much really to pick up here other than the, the reveal at the bottom of the page. Um, a pretty sparse apartment. Um, yeah. That's Any, pretty uh, obsessive behaviour. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> sleeping next to the cape of a, of a vigilante. That's yeah. A little, uh, you know, I mean, yeah. I know my room's full of superhero stuff, but that's a little bit creepy. It is a bit creepy. Is she bordering? She's okay. got to be bordering then on, on, you know, maybe she's becoming like a patient. I don't know. Um, because her drive seems so, like, the page before, she's, you know, off off thinking deep in thought. And here it shows again that she's got all this stuff. Um, she's really a committed person. Yeah. Who knows? Mm. Who knows? So, yeah, as we... um. Cut back to the next page. We return to Ravencroft, uh, sorry, Asylum, where we go a bit into the um, medical side of things when it comes to uh, Emmett talking to um, patient 86 about uh, about sort of uh, his own mind and what uh, what led him to um, be, uh, doing the things he did. Uh, we have a lot of a lot of sort of fun with these panels again. That sort of really disjointed and there's some sort of fading over the top as we see two vertical ones uh at the top of the page the second vertical panel almost overshadowing the uh large square box below it and then another small panel to the side as we end 
and which overlaps the the square panel and the, the third vertical panel, which overlaps that square panel again. It's sort of very. It's, it's the first it's, overlapping we've had. Yeah, Ooh. and it, yeah. It, it, it's sort of fun and sort of what we saw just with everything when it came to this sort of you know this sort of art paneling be very sort of distinct and disjointed like disjointed in in its own stylistic fashion but um the um we see as well that um uh sorry yeah we see emmett sort of talking a bit about um uh what seems to be comrades of him in the army well not comrades but people with him in the army no i think that's more um these are serial killers Oh, really? Uh, these are, uh, yeah, these are uh, famous serial killers. So oh. what she's doing is um, she's drawing parallels. And, and this is a very interesting thing about um, she's raising uh, the issue of, well, he's raising about insanity and evil. And if you murder someone, um, he's saying, look, I've, I've killed people. Doesn't that mean that I'm crazy? And she goes, no, it's not necessarily. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're crazy, that you kill someone, um, you know, and she puts these references. Um, this is Son of Sam, I believe. Yeah. Uh, Ed Ed Gein, who um, was kind of popularised during the Silence of the Lambs film. Uh, the, the Buffalo Bill was based on Ed Gein. Um, oh, okay. And he, he, yeah, he used to wear. Oh, it's terrible. He used to wear um, skin on his face. Mm. You know, yeah, kill his victims. And uh, fish, I don't know, but well, I'm, I'm just assuming. Looking up now. I'm just looking at. It's yeah. really interesting. Albert Fish. Yeah. Uh, yeah. American serial killer. He was also known as the Grey Man, the Werewolf of Wisteria, the Brooklyn Vampire, the Moon Maniac, oh, wow. and the Boogeyman. Oh, oh wow! He was uh, 1924 to 1932 was his killings. Oh god! What did he did he drink blood or something? Or yeah, that's no, he possibly kill, apparently killed by electrocution. Oh. oh. <laughs> I don't know, but the Moon Maniac. Come on, that's good. <laughs> I keep that one. Moon Maniac. I know. Well, what a what a nod. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, these are re- yeah, these are very real um, real people. And, yeah. Wow. Well, uh, okay. I didn't know that. Mm, so, sorry, sorry, Connor. I didn't want to um, interrupt. No, no, that was that was good. Yeah, I didn't I didn't even know that or pick up on that at all. So I'm very you know glad to know about that. And yeah, that's sort of the crux of this page. He's talking about how um you know when it comes to his illness. The fact he obviously grew up in um, terrible conditions and was never treated led to what he was doing. And she's almost sort of, you know, stating that what he did, like, was obviously evil and villainous, but there was still very much part of it that wasn't who he was, but, you know, what what his illness sort of made of him and the treatment he never had and the consequences of that when it came to living his life now. Yes, what I get from this as well is um, just looking at it from a, a layout point of view, and like you know we're a fair what six pages in. Um, Burroughs's panels are uh, are a lot more I think conservative than than Smallwood's um, mm-hmm. and all of me. Uh, apart from that slight overlap, um, we still get either a banding, horizontal banding um, through, or kind of regular kind of panels. Um, not to say that there's anything bad with that, just, uh, just a, I guess, an observation that uh, Burroughs doesn't lay too much emphasis on it. Uh, and I guess maybe because it's the nature of it, like with Lemire and Smallwood, 
there was a lot more of a, um, a surreal uh, and, yeah. and a whacked out um, side of things. And that was reflected in the panels. With, with Burroughs, it's very matter of fact. Um, and we get here with Bemis. There's a lot of information here that Bemis is giving us on this page. Uh, and it goes a long way to explain patient 86. Um, and so I like the fact that in uh, one of the main panels here, you see him listening intently to Dr. Emmett and you see the three different versions of him as a little kid, as him in the army and as him as a juvenile, um, how all his experiences in his life so far have culminated in him being who he is um, and, uh, yeah, and, and what he ends up doing. Yeah, so we see that um, he was obviously um, went from sort of bad state home to bad state home. It seemed he was, um, uh, you know, traumatic childhood. He was probably, you know, probably suffered a lot through that, probably a lot of bad experiences with people on the street or in those state homes. We see that um, obviously led him to doing some things that got him stuck in journey as a young adult. Um, where, you know, developed his bipolar as well and then seemed to almost exit from there to go to the army, which is where where he is now. Yeah. Really a nice level of detail when he was yeah. a teenager. See, that? that's a, yeah, uh, yeah. another that. kind of thing. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we go on to, I think, the next page... Uh, Rebecca? Oh, sorry. I lost track of who was doing what. So she rubs, <laughs> she, rubs, she rubs that off the chalkboard, stroke blackboard again, depending on which country you're in. Um, and she stops. And she's, a good draw- she's a good drawer, shall she's, I say. She's, yeah, not she's not bad at all. She's not bad at all. So while yeah. she's talking about his need to control things, um, she starts talking a bit about the things she's seen in that have helped other patients. And mm-hmm. she draws Kurt Cobain, uh, Hemingway, and Beethoven. Um, all uh, um, so that's uh, all interesting creative uh, points to pick uh, yes. and she says those with bipolar disorder if you can temper it you can have intense inspiration and creativity and she says I want to help you he goes up to the board sort of zooms <laughs> in on Kurt um, yes. cracks a joke uh, says he's more of a Foo Fighters type guy she comes out with a Foo Fighters lyric um, he gives her this look, and the expression He's on the not... final panel face is again priceless. It's just kind of like, yeah, like yeah. Um, my joke didn't yeah. land. Yeah, <laughs> those those um, four expressions at the bottom of the page are pretty cool. I yeah. think um, they they kind of tell the story. Um, yeah, the, uh, again, another uh, three real life uh, characters: um, Kurt Cobain, Ernest Hemingway, and Ludwig Ludwig. Von Beethoven, um, all massive creative figures, uh, and ones that uh, Dr. Emmett uh, kind of gives us examples of those that can temper their disorder and uh, and still produce intense uh, inspiration and creativity. Now, there's a um, there's a couple of things here. I thought uh, so. She starts talking about bipolar disorder. Now, are we kind of veering away from um, um, DID uh, and multiple personality disorder as well. Um, bipolar disorder is something totally different as well yeah, as, as maybe, a mental maybe condition. That's what, but maybe that's what she thinks patient 86 has. 
Oh, okay, right. She's okay, about so him. she's still kind of yeah. Yeah, okay, she's still fishing around. Yep, okay, okay, cool. Because um, yeah, I noticed that she said that, and uh, yeah, she says it on the previous. It's come up yeah, a you develop bipolar. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, because I don't know, there was just um, um, a bit of a bit of a loony watch on the group, and uh, yeah, no, there was no, just talk I about. Don't yeah, agree with the some of what they were saying about the phrasing. Mm. Mm. I yeah, mean, she's, but, still, uh, she's okay. still clearly diagnosing him, but maybe he already had the diagnosis of bipolar. So that's kind of yeah. the known thing, because that's obviously not the thing that leads you to burn people. So um, No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's and true. And I say um, this through somebody went to a psychiatrist for setting fires. Oh, right, right <laughs> My yes. My yes. experience with this whole story um, uh, is that this wouldn't be linked to the bipolar. but So maybe that was already mm-hmm. diagnosed before he went in the army. Yep. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then that makes sense because um, the three figures that she quotes, um, Kurt, Ernie, and Ludwig, uh, they all, well, it, it's believed that Beethoven had bipolar as yeah. well, and okay, yeah. um, Kurt, and yeah. So, um, and there was the other thing that um, that the one of the reviews I read, which um, was is one of the links on the show notes, and I spoke to you, Rebecca, just quickly off air yeah. before this. Um, yeah. How. Uh, I guess one of the critics was saying, "Oh, you know, there's a bit of a, a bit of a sensitive issue here. Like she's kind of, um, I guess, you know, giving as good examples uh, of people with bipolar, Kurt, Ernie, Ernie, uh, Ernest Hemingway, um, both of whom though committed suicide as well. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's a bit of and a. And there is um, um, Beethoven had a suicide note. He just didn't kill himself. Oh, okay. Oh no, that was Tchaikovsky. Um, was, was it? I think. Yeah, a... Beethoven. Uh, he died of. Um, no, I know. I know he didn't kill himself, but they did find yeah. a suicide note that he had written. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. Oh well. Okay. Well, so I mean, yeah. So that again, that those three then that that uh, she cited. Um, I don't know, maybe in poor taste. Uh, I guess that's what the critic was saying, um, of, of using those three as examples of those that can um, can temper their bipolar disorder when, you know, in reality, um, it kind of didn't really go too well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, <laughs> Maybe there's anyone she can draw. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, maybe they're not the best examples. Mm. No, no. But I do like the uh, the turtleneck on Hemingway. I think that that gave it away straight away. I like away. The, I like the Ernie. <laughs> yeah, the Ernie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, it threw me just for a second, going Ernie. Hmm. I wanted to oh, make okay. I wanted to make Kurt and Ernie jokes, but then she added Beethoven, <laughs> so it doesn't work. Oh, that works, Kurt and Ernie. <laughs> it doesn't work because there's also Ludwig. No, because oh, he got yeah, yeah. him with his, uh, his ter- terrible hairdo. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, a bit of humour from Bemis with uh with uh, the quote from the Foo Fighters. Do we do we know what song that is from the Foo Fighters? Uh, I think it's called yeah, Breakdown. It okay, well, I will be listening to that after this <laughs> this podcast, just just for fun because I, I do love pop culture references. Um, yeah, and if there's uh, anyone so, who's gonna make a oh Breakout, it's from a song called Breakout. Breakout, not yeah. Breakdown. My bad. <laughs> It, it's uh, Emmett's way of trying to connect with him, but yeah. she, she fails horribly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then we get a switch to, okay, so she's had the conversation with Emmett, and we turn the page, and uh, so she does a bit of uh, a bit of research herself, and so she's on to this fact, okay, well, there are some parallels between 
Patient 86 and Mark Spector. Uh, Mark, obviously, <clears throat> he um, fell with Conchu as, as a um, as a kind of device to to deal with um, what he was going through. So she goes through a uh, ancient Egyptian museum, uh, and we see again very kind of standard panels. Um, the the top third is uh, just a full horizontal. Um, and then we have the middle, which are three uh, three vertical kind of um, equally equal panels. Uh, and as she goes through, uh, she she sees uh, the statue of Conchu. Uh, and um, interesting here that she said that Mark Spector may be legally insane, but he was never crazy at all. Um, so it kind of shows that um, there's a, cer- a certain amount of investment, I think, that Emmett has with with Mark Spector, uh, and further on as she goes, um, she kind of questions, starts to question the definition, I guess, of crazy. You know, if, if Mark is legally insane, but but if you look at um, priests who hear uh, the voices of their lord or, or shamans or, or writers of the constitution, you know, if, if these people are, you know, quote unquote inspired or, you know, um, hear something from a, a higher being, you know, are they you know, equally class as insane as well so she's kind of um i guess justifying uh and trying to make sense of what mark what's what's happening to mark and by that she can kind of i guess then assess and maybe liken that to patient 86 um so as she walks through uh again again quite muted colors actually um very earthy um to go with uh, all the artifacts uh, she walks through, um, and at the bottom, uh, we get a, a full shot of her face as she literally closes her eyes to try and imagine stuff. So um, uh, I like the level of detail here, I guess, of, um, of yeah. Burroughs. Uh, he, he's actually filled it enough um, because I've noticed that a few of his other panels, he does really rely on on the close-up with the face, and, and there's generally just a, a wash of colour at the back. But, uh yeah. Yeah, what what did you guys think of this? I think that managed the fact he managed to get on to, into the museum things that genuinely look like hieroglyphics from afar. True, is yes. pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. Actually, you're very good. Point. In, in terms uh... of some of the detailing in the top panel and the next one down, like yeah, they, they don't is... look like scribbles. They clearly look like hieroglyphics. Oh, hundred percent. Because like you. Uh, remember, like, I don't know, some of those comics in the 90s? Yeah, and, yeah. And uh, some artists just draw generic. It like, would you just can, be you can scribbles, tell. yeah. Yeah, th- there was no research done. It was just like, oh, this is what stereotypically is a... Yeah, so it's good to see that Burroughs um, has done his homework here. Yeah, you know, this is nowhere near the um, craziness that, um, and the detail, like, the craziness of the um, events that... Smallwood put so much detail in the uh, crazy Lemire on, but by no means, even in this um in, in, in this quieter moment to this issue, does Burroughs ever let up his own sort of detail? Mm. He's very invested in drawing this book and just making it as fleshed out a world as possible. Mm. Yeah, it's um yeah, very well done. Um, I like, I like how I calling Conchie Mark's main squeeze. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She, uh, there's a little, still a little level of informality in her, which is good. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's good. Um, yeah. So, uh, as we go across the next page, Connor. Yeah, it uh, opens uh, as she closes her eyes. She um, 
she sort of breathes life into the uh, Egyptian gods and sort of has Concho envisioned Mark. She's envisioning every other god as almost sort of the as a deity they are, and it opens with probably one of the top three favorite panels in this issue with the glowing mm. colors by um, Lopez on uh, Osiris, and we see uh, Horus hanging out. Judging a bunch, uh, judging a loud, <laughs> a loud sort of touristy family. We see yep. sort of the quiet of um, Imhotep. Mhm. Yeah. Um, made famous, uh, made famous in the Brendan Fraser mummy uh, <laughs> movies. <laughs> yeah. And then, um, as this sort of closes off the page, she uh, she very much comes to a, a silent realization in one issue where she uh. She sees Ra as sort of the answer to her own prayers when it came to almost finding a connection and a deity for uh, Patient 86. Mm. Yes, yeah. and then you get the stunning panel. Oh, I mean, it's, yeah. it's the whole page. It's the whole page oh, yes. of Ra just glowing. It's the most colourful, oh, this... sumptuous page we've had so far. The background's yeah. just charcoal, so it's not the deep black. It's charcoal. Yeah. Um, you've got Emmett in the in the foreground with her sort of muted suit, but looking back. Mm. So you've only got her back, the hair in a bun. Um, yes. Her red hair is even more muted than it has been. And yes. just the statue is literally just glowing gold. It's bloody it's awesome. That's beautiful. And like, uh, if you yeah. flick through a comic, can you just come to this and just like, what? Stop. <laughs> yeah. And um, I've got to say, actually, that 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 um, page that reveal and um, as you mentioned, Connor, the one um, on the page before when her and Osiris mm-hmm. are together, um, on the digital copy that just really popped out. Like um, it's still very impressive on, on the in a single Paper. issue as well. But um, I read it first as digital and and going from that that panel of Emmett um, closing her eyes. And then seeing yeah. seeing that with um, Matt Lopez's color is just fan- and then fantastic. And then to turn that page again and to get that full spread of Ra, um, it's just gorgeous. Oh, it, and then the only text just, is I see Ra and it all makes sense. Yeah, yeah, it's such a brilliant. And such it, a brilliant it, it's panel. interesting because like this whole dialogue that she's having with herself in the museum is it's perilously close to her descent into madness. Because what it's actually, it is. I mean, because it's it's kind of yes, she's she's drawing on the Mark Spector case to try and see if she can give patient eighty six some control, but be, but because she's so obsessed with Mark, she's gone to this Egyptian mythology and she's yeah. talking about them as if she truly does believe. Yeah, like you know, which most probable medical professionals wouldn't be quite so into into yeah. this and then and when you get to this i see ron i mean there's this massive pause because it's the first full page bread we've got it's so glowing yeah. and it's just like yeah. and, and even the phrase it all makes sense is is literally like someone finding mm. god yeah, it, yeah it's kind of it's almost um tragic because like it, let's face it this whole issue it all anchors around um dr emmett so she's the main character in all this and uh, we can actually, yeah, as you say, we can see her slowly. There's a slow descent, I think. Um, she's kind of losing losing there's touch a bit definitely more. Definitely crossing and, uh, a line into this will work. Yes, I believe in this. You mm, know, so, it's, yeah. yeah, something a little sad, uh, you know, sad and tragic. In it, and we will know what kind of happens towards the end as well. Um, just kind of going back as well, I love how Burroughs 
has really um, made individual um, the, the gods, um, Osiris, Horus, who's my favourite. He's got, like, just an owl face, um, just a scowling face. <laughs> and uh, Imhotep as well. All three of them are very different, and I hope we see them um, later I on somehow. Well, because, so do I. Mm, yeah. Because so, they look so well-developed. And then you have Ra, who's got this eagle face, like a very, you know, just sleek kind of Rolls Royce of, uh, <laughs> of, of gods there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I can't say any more than what you said, Rebecca. It's a, it's a stunning, stunning panel. Um, and, and very well articulated by Burroughs. Yes. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm not sure who, we, who we're up to. You. <laughs> uh, you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so after that, um, kind of like mid-issue reveal, um, we're kind of brought back. Uh, and so, uh, so Dr. Emmett, she's got, she's got a plan now. She's... Things are a little clearer now to her. So she's come back to patient 86 uh, back at Ravencroft. Uh, she's got a picture of a, of a um, you know, a conventional image of, of Ra. And um, and she's she slapped it down to give to him. And he's going, well, you know, what's this? And Emmett explains to him that this is Amon-Ra, the sun god of Egyptian pantheon. And she's obviously linked it to some sort of, to the fire, to the burning. Um, he's the sun god. Uh and what I find uh, funny with this uh, in the middle, again, a little bit of humour from Bemis, um, the two pr- um, panels in the middle. Uh, again, you get the expressions. He has a look at the picture, has a bit of a think about it. Then he goes, hmm, I like his funny hair. Okay. So, uh, you know, he hasn't really taken in the gravity of, of what she wants uh, Ra to be for him. Uh, and so she goes on to explain to him, okay, so there's Ra, but not only is that... Um, you know, Ra is connected to his his son. I guess his kid. Crazy Konshu. runs in the family. Heckin' sons of bitches. Welcome to it. It's the Octopus. That's it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Kind of nailed right on the head. Um, yep. So she tries to tie it back, and she ties it back to Konshu, which um, makes sense for her because uh, she's dealt with Mark and his Konshu infatuation. Um, so she gets to kind of bundle it all together, uh, and. Uh, I'm not sure. Not too much really to talk about layout-wise and, and panel-wise, he, um, you think, um, from Burroughs, but uh, just a good a good setting-off point here. So we've got Emmett on a on a mission now, and she she knows what how to kind of treat patient 86. And then we cut to our next uh, quite text-heavy page, where in our first panel we see uh, Ra hanging out with his son. Konshu in his dapper suit. I'm not sure whether the mm-hmm. uh, whether I just don't know my Egyptian uh, mythology, and they also have museums where um, Konshu's in that fancy suit, or that's just a so. little cute thing for the readers. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, this is a uh, big page uh, for a lot of reasons. Um, it really talks about a big thematic linking where we see that she discussed that um, in many cultures the sun stands for uh, sovereignty of masculinity, logic, and raw power. Uh, and she describes the differences between Khonshu's representation of the moon and Ra, that Ra sort of uh, resents sort of um, sort of the world becoming so passive, and that um, you know the sun and the culture surround it, and that sort of interpretation resents change, resents that you know the changing of a working established society and almost sort of losing that raw power they have, while Khonshu is the uh, redemptive power, a Mark Spector and I almost sort of more fem- uh, 
represents our femininity and sensitivity sort of sort of changing to I, that redemptive changing from what you were say um that you know sort of seeing the uh faults in the old ways and changing well we see that you know the sun culture doesn't want to change that and um uh emmett makes the connection that uh something happened when he was younger uh some form of uh, abuse that sort of underlies the old ways and what sort of made um what uh patient 86 who he is and as we come to our final panel we see two separate instances of um patient 86 uh from his uh bullying um squad of being tied up naked and then a, a shot a uh, first person of uh some sort of abusive father figure going to uh hit uh him as a young child as we Ooh. see uh 86 reaching back into his mind to to see that he's on the right track yeah yeah so this is basically the toxic masculinity is bad page yeah, it's, right. it's a great um, which underline. is so kind of on point for a lot of what's going on in the world at the yeah. moment. Um, yeah, yeah. That it, it's it's interesting, and and I wonder if that's one of the things that drew um, Bemis to want to write this story, like because it's so, you know, the, the effect of how bringing men up to not show their emotions and mm-hmm. to think they have to, you know, be dominant. Is, is affecting things and um, and sort of interpretate interpreting that through the Egyptian mythology is kind of really interesting. But this mm. one um, this one was the first page where I thought the writing I kind of went hi oh, I get I get what you're doing here. Um, yeah. Like it is the way somebody would talk about sort of psychiatric things, but it's yes. all, it's just so. This is what we're saying. It's like you know, alpha male. Um, maybe you need to be a bit more in touch with your... But she's not saying that, unfortunately. I mean, I'm not sure how great a therapist Dr. Emma is. <laughs> I think, no, I, I think no. somebody raised it in the group that this is all her fault. And um, yeah. I do not disagree yeah. with them that she is veering way off path here. But her yeah. interpretation it... isn't wrong about this is the problem of toxic masculinity. Yeah, she um, it was raised in, a, in a, one of the reviews as well, how um, her methods... Um, are quite questionable and what she does uh yeah uh, is is not um but what i i found as well so the first the first half of the top half of the page um yeah it was, it was a really great way of using the egyptian mythology and stuff um so i i get i get that um and then so how did how did she tie it into him repressing some sort of memory um what, am I am I missing something there in just the connection? Um, so, because she she all of a sudden says you know something happened to you when you were young. Um, yeah, uh, I believe what you're hiding from yourself was most likely some form of abuse. Um, so, you know what you mentioned before about Konshu, um and him being the greatest of gods first by by ha- being more in touch you know being more in touch and all that um being more sensitive and ra being against that and as you're saying the toxic masculinity of, well, of I mean, the guys well i mean maybe she what she when she says the ra's of this world get angry they burn harder they sp- about their own impotence maybe she that's what she means about how he's felt being bullied right um right. i cuz otherwise yeah. i can't make that jump either and maybe she's just making a jump and just flipping back to yeah. and now we'll talk about your therapy 
Um, I think. Um, oh, sorry, Rebecca. No, that was it. Uh, I was saying, I think, um, I think she's very much inferring here that Ra is a way of seeing what he did, but Ra isn't so much the helpful hero for um for um patient eighty six. Uh, this, this sort of doesn't seem to infer that you know Ra is someone he should look he up should to. look up yeah. to, but mm-hmm. someone that um because I think the reference to his childhood is that the change that he never saw is that you know he was. He was beaten and suffered as a kid and grew up that way only to um, sort of find himself suffering the same way through, um, you know, without change when it came, yeah, to the military and um, Mm. just sort of uh, connecting, um, you know, that as as he got older and the, I guess, sort of... um, very much what he suffered, you know, he was he was older and he very much noticed what was happening, that when she talks about burning harder and resents becoming passe, I think this was the time when the understanding of Patient 86 was that he wasn't passive anymore in the current thing and that, you know, he did burn harder, he finally didn't yeah. accept what he was being faced with and, yeah, sort of, and turned on oh, his, okay. uh, on the people who were beating him. I, 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 I get as well that... There is something about that because that does seem inherently like change. While Ra represents hating change, it's yeah. I don't think it is as probably as clear as maybe um, Bemis saw to it when he was writing it. Possibly there was something he connected in his head that we aren't, and that's yeah, yeah. I, I think actually, well, I think actually, um, yeah. From what you're saying though, as well, and and from what Dr. Emmett says to patient 86 at the end. I think then that maybe she is trying to align him with Conchu. I think she is. I mean, that's yeah, because yeah. she says that the page before is that your answer comes Conchu's your answer. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, like, forget Ra, go for Conchu. Yeah. But he's sort of yeah. latching onto the wrong one. Yeah. So it's a yeah, bit confusing because, totally. like, you tend you tend to think that Ra is the one that because you know obviously with the big reveal of Ra the statue it all makes sense. So there's a bit of confusion, I guess, in Bemis's writing. You tend to think that Ra. Sh- is the one that you liken patient 86 to, but I think, yeah, she's actually trying to liken him to Konshu as the sensitive one, and maybe Ra being the, um, yeah, the being the abuser, yeah, and, and and his abusers, and probably, yeah, okay. Okay, yeah. yeah no, uh, Rebecca um, makes a good point as well, the fact that, you know, um, seeing it's uh, sort of small spell, spelt out to me, but, uh, yeah, you know, Ra isn't is the one Emmett's trying to divert him from to be conscious, but we see mm. from the narrative standpoint and what Bemis is doing that more and more, and his actions that are, are patient eighty six is attributing himself to Ra, which is the mm. the wrong the yes. wrong way, and we see that take its turn. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. No. That's uh, that's that's pretty cool. Actually. Yeah. Um. That's great. It's great to do in these panel by panels. <laughs> <laughs> Getting more and more, so that's uh, cool. So then she takes him back to his room, um, which is very plain. We've not seen his room before, I don't think. Well, uh, it's just a bed, chair, table, standard, nothing that looks like you could damage yourself. Uh, yes. And she's leaving him some books. Um, and she says she tells him the story of Mark Spector, how a confused, mm-hmm. mentally unstable boy drew on the figurative power of the moon to justify his nature. Uh, Mark's transformation into a hero called Moon Knight, a role model for the bewildered. So she, that's clearly she does see him as some kind of role model. Um, yeah, yeah. She again, gives him it's... all her notes and research. Again, 
probably not the best thing to do. Um, no, no, exactly. What? But done for um, all the best reasons, and a lot of it is Egyptian mythology books. Yeah, um, patient confidentiality. <laughs> yeah, well. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but all the, all the stuff of the time when he was under her care, and she says that patient 86 seems to get it. He seems to click with him, which you'd expect. Um, mm-hmm. He sees that Spectre was him. He wasn't just insane, but he was really immersed in living myth. And um, you've got these very, again, kind of earthy tones to start off with, the sort of peachy greens and beiges. And then the final panel is blue. It's blue washed. And it's uh, Patient 86 crying while a picture of Moon Knight in his hands and sort of touching it um, with the sort of text, it was never the moon's fault that it it shone so brightly. Another beautiful little, you know, gave me goosebumps the first time I read it. Honestly. Yeah, um, a, a, a silent tear down yeah. the cheek. You think he's kind of yeah. getting it? That like this is showing mm. him that is there's a way through his insanity. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it, it definitely shows. Well, alludes to the fact that he's, he's he might be on the right course now to um, to you know healing himself in, in a way. Um, but yeah, no, it was a it was a sorry, Connor. Any um any thoughts on this? Um, not really. You guys covered it pretty well. I like uh, throughout this issue the focus on always having um um patient eighty six um burnt hands in the frame. Mm-hmm. I think that's like yes. a nice little connective and always a reminder of sort of who he is. You know what he's been he's through, what he's done. Yeah. yeah, yeah, his sins. Um, yeah. So uh, there. This okay. Then this is what I found a little bit of a jump. Uh, so we turn the page <laughs> and. Uh, I'm lucky. I get I get the uh, the preview page again. Uh, so this was another of the preview pages with the word balloons in there, and we get uh, Doctor Emmett um, dressed in uh, like a lavish white uh, white dress and corset, uh, and she's in a room full of mirrors or frames, but without any pictures or reflections, uh, and she's looking at some documents. Uh, and she gets distracted. Uh, again, panel layouts are, are pretty conventional. Uh, and then she looks to her right, and from the right, uh, as she starts to scream help, we get some really nice detailed like, zombie mummies, or, or just mummies. <laughs> uh, and they kind of come out of the woodwork, or um, come out of the door, uh, and they they start to overwhelm her. So uh, she actually runs out of the door, looks out of the room and into a corridor, uh, and it's uh, like an endless perspective of this corridor. So you're starting to get a a sense of, and from the jump of it, like, you know, this is obviously not of the reality. We've got to assume it's a dream. Uh, And from the right, we see the flapping of of a cape, and it's none other than a moon knight. And we get that glorious full page reveal of Moon Knight uh, in battle against the, the mummies and a little a little uh, preview into Burroughs's art for the, <laughs> the, the gory and the graphic. It's yeah, we get beautiful. him ripping it. It's very nice actually. He's yeah, he's just ripping a head off, um, he's ripping a torso, uh, yeah, and there are all sorts of mummies kind of vying for him. Oh, sorry, Connor, I've actually gone to two pages, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's fine, it's, it's, sorry. it's just a one page to gloss over, but I adore this suit. I mean, yeah, I sorry. About this yeah, suit. I'm yeah. not sure why I've clicked with it so much. I really I'm, like I'm, it I'm as well, suit. I really, really like it. I love the white it's, face. It's, yeah. Mm. It's, it's great, oh, I don't know, and just the white background as well. 
So the only dirtiness you get is from the uh, from the mummies. Um, yeah, it's it's brilliant. Um, so, and as we turn the page, who's taking this now, Rebecca know. or I? Uh, <laughs> it, oh, All right, me. Uh, we get a nice um, we get a lovely sort of uh side shot as a as a you can see sort of Emmett's rip costume. This con- uh, costume being quite interesting. It very mm. much seems in her own head she trying to imagine herself as a Moon Knight type figure. Mm. Yeah. But as the uh. As the blood stains the walls of a of a moon knight of the, uh, blood stains the walls and a certain moon knight, he's a uh, he's very sort of looking down and scowling. Yes. And then, as we see, he begins to take off his mask in the panel beneath, and then a very horrifying, <laughs> pale, demonic teeth looked of patient eighty six as uh, Emmett screams, "No!" As if this uh, this patient eighty six is gonna like rip her throat out or something. Mm. And, yeah, uh, oh, oh, sorry. Uh, oh, I'll just uh, say quickly, yes. the last two panels are horizontal as we um, cut back to her waiting up, uh, uh, swearing to a, a, a very <laughs> bewildered cat. Who's swearing now at white. a cat. <laughs> yes, what? change the colour. Yeah, I'm so not sure there is black or white. I'll, I'll, Maybe we'll, she has we'll more than one. Beamus on black. Twitter. Oh, that's oh, true. true. More than one. True. Yeah, because uh, it definitely uh, looked darker. Yeah. It did, and then but she blames was, it, her nightmare. To, sorry, I was gonna say it's hard to get the the colouring of cats sometimes. Mm. You're right; it does look black in the previous. Yeah. Although that was a lot darker room as well. It this was. one seems to have more of a light source. Yeah. Maybe it's a full moon. <laughs> da, da, da. <laughs> and, and then uh, she blames her spooky nightmare on cookie butter before bed. And what's cookie butter? <laughs> is that cookie dough, or is that like a specific? I butter? have no it's idea like what cookie. cookie butter is. Yeah, I'm looking I, I it assumed, up. Go on, Dave. Yeah, I, I assumed <laughs> it was cookie. I assumed it was cookie dough, but um, kind of please, yes. Oh my um, god, it's gross. No cookie detail. butter is a food paste made primarily from speculoos, spectres cookies. Am I right? Uh, crumbs, fats such as vegetable oil, condensed milk, or butter. Uh, the re- ingre- and sugar. The ingredients are mixed until it becomes spreadable by nut butter, peanut butter. Ugh, oh, spreadable like. I mean, we, 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 do, we do have one here called the uh, Biscoff, which is kind of malt cookies, but oh. it, it made it to sort of... No, not appealing. This is an American nah, thing. Pass. Let's, let's all just pass it off as an American thing. And all of the American yes. listeners can tell us how nice it is, but it sounds kind of <laughs> Yes. It sounds a bit it like a little... um, that, that awful marshmallow spread. <laughs> Yeah. I had that the other day. It was. It was oh. oh, did you? Oh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, we'll gosh. stick with our Marmite and Vegemite, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they I love my savoury. They can have their cookie butter and their marshmallow fluff. Oh, I, I, it must be a guilty pleasure. It has to be a guilty pleasure from Dr. Emmett because, um, yeah, it just doesn't sound appealing at all. <laughs> but, um, but what we get here also as well, um, I guess is the first very uh, obvious horror element in the comic. Uh, yeah, I think true. from the beginning onward, things have been kind of travelling kind of well, you know, um, kind, of, kind of based, uh, you know, in reality and in discussions and stuff. And this is the, the first shot of uh, that terrifying Patient 86 under the Moonlight Hood uh, is the first glimpse at Burroughs just giving us something just totally, totally shocking and scary. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Um, yeah. It shows the tone of the narratives that we hit the uh, next page with Rebecca. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, we go straight back to the asylum um, and back in a work sort of environment. And she's sitting at her desk again. Well, she's sitting at a table. Um, and she's talking to patient agent 86, trying to get him to remember who he is. Because obviously we still also have this mystery that we have no name for him. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so she's sort of like, I, know, I need you to remember who you are. He's saying, I know who I am. And she's going, yeah, that's that's great, but um, if the alcohol is <laughs> helping you get some resolve, you're still going to need yes. medicine, you're still going to need therapy. And he's like, what do you mean it's just a story? And starts talking about it as if it's real. Like, I suppose Ron never yeah. let his wrath rain down on his errant son. That's every, that everything you taught me was an illusion. So you can slightly see that he's taking Ra's side there by calling yeah. his errant son. And he is. Talking very much yes. like this. Like, um, and, he's, and then... Um, he kind of shuts her off. He just said, let's talk tomorrow, Dr. Emmett. Your company's always a pleasure. Like, I'm kind of done with you. It's, it's something yes. you, um, they play on in the Dracula story when they're in the asylum. There. Ah. And they're just like, kind of, oh, I'm done with yes. you. Go away. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, like, I don't read many things, so I'm drawing from my other things I've read <laughs> that are written about therapies going on. But it's kind of like, yeah. whereas before he's been very um, willing to listen. Yes. But now the yeah, minute he, he, she's taking a stand he doesn't entirely like, which is that it's an allegory. Um, no, yeah, exactly. He's kind of like, I'm done. Uh, your company's yeah. always a pleasure. I'll be spending the afternoon in meditation. And behind him, you have all the Egyptian like um, mythology pictures stuck on the wall. The Eye of Horus, picture of Bast, yes. um, various other ones, scarab beetles, anks. Yes. Um, uh, there's, a cat, there's a cat there as well. Yeah, I'm guessing that's the Bastet <laughs> one. Um, oh yes, the best. Yep. Yeah. Um, and and crocodile god whose name I can't remember. Uh, that Amut. I don't know, but he's there. But but anyway, and um, <laughs> I don't feel really bad for like my my lack of. Uh... But again, the details great. They all look like mm-hmm. you can you can clearly tell who they're all meant to be. Like if you went yes. up to a yeah, pull up Wikipedia yeah. on Egyptian mythology, you could identify them all pretty quickly. Um, yeah. And if we're talking panels here. The first we've got some that are out of sync again. So we're going to that slightly unhinged, like you've got the first uh, two, yep. then the next three are shifted a little bit, but the whole background of the entire page is the last panel. So it's as if mm, the last yes. panel is the full page and the others are sort of inset on it. So that's kind of the world he's built. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's it, looking out into the sun. Um, he's, like, yes, exactly. I was about to say, yeah, yeah. he's basking in the sunlight. So yeah. he's starting to really yeah. uh, come under the spell of Ra, I guess. Um, and, yeah, and as really you mentioned, sort of holy light. Mm, and and as you mentioned, uh, Rebecca as well. Uh, Emmett really tries to. She's still kind of um, uh, on the uh, on the side that you know she's trying to kind of curb him towards the Conchu, the allegory mm-hmm. of Conchu brings you resolve, and he's just nothing of it. He's he he's now made a decision, and uh, exactly as you say, he he doesn't really need her anymore. He, yeah. He's uh, he's made up his mind, and he, now he's just got to just got to line his ducks up, um, just to um, you know, to, to completely understand what he's going what he's going through. But uh, yeah, he, he's a lot more sure of himself. Um, again, Burroughs, I think there's a. I always thought here with the um, in the middle section and on the right when he's looking, your company is always a pleasure. It always looks like I always imagine that he's drawn Burroughs has drawn a patient eighty six separately, and it seems almost like superimposed um, onto 
Mm. He must have drawn also Emmett in the background. I don't know because it just seems um, seems a lot lighter, and that might be Lopez trying to um, uh, kind of imply that the sunlight's on him. But he is definitely a lighter shade mm-hmm. like, uh, um, than yeah. Emmett in the background. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's uh, it's great stuff. Uh, and actually, also before we go on as well, so did you think? What were your thoughts on that dream sequence? Because um, we were at Ravencroft before, then we get this quick dream sequence, and then we're back on, at, at the asylum. Um, did you have? I, I had a little, not an issue with it, but I just I found it a little. Uh, um, maybe that's the idea. A little jolting that it just came out of nowhere. Um, that she was in the in the dream, and it was very short. We're only talking three pages, mm-hmm. and then we're back. Um, did you have that impression at all? Or? Yeah, I, I, it definitely uh, jolted me out of what I was reading, um, mm. but I I kind of figured what? that that was the point. But, but you're right. Yeah, but, but, I know almost almost ill placed. I don't want to say it, but like it it seemed timing wise, it it just seemed I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't, it was almost I don't a... know if I needed it. Mm, um, yeah, that's yeah, that's I guess what but I liked yeah. it. Like I love the art. The art's gorgeous and it's it's interesting. Mm. But I don't know if I could have just done with even the last page of it. Yeah, just I mean, no that, waking yeah, up from uh, a nightmare. Yeah, I mean, because those three pages could really be slotted in to me, really anywhere. Mm. Like you know, between her interactions with patient eighty-six, it didn't seem like it belonged here. But then I again, guess the only I guess the only thing that places it here is because mm. we've already had her at the museum. Losing yeah. herself a bit in the mythology, and yeah. seeing Moon Knight, a... is, seeing Moon Knight is a bit of a savior both for her and Patient Eighty Six. So that could it could have really been done? Could you say right after that really good page of of that the shot of Ra? Um, I think could, uh, I, I disagree with that because I think the um the takeaway from this dream sequence is a thematic shift in narrative. The uh, horror, um, the horror reveal of the uh, devilish, scary um, patient eighty six represents that the narrative really goes downhill from here. Like, mm-hmm. as we've already read the issue, this is you know this is the part where everything goes wrong. This is the part where patient patient eighty six aligns yeah. himself more with Ra and turns, um, and turns really from Emmett. And I, I agree that. Like, I loved it, and it was obviously three pages to get to that point, but I feel like there was possibly, maybe even could have condensed it down to to, to one page that sort of, maybe with mm-hmm. a bit heavier a, a layout, could have done all of that in one page. I mean, page it seems to harsh that... to say it, because they are beautiful pages, so it's like... Oh, they yeah, are. Um, very beautiful. But maybe yeah. that's her subconscious saying that things are going wrong. Like, maybe it's Definitely. her knowing that's that things are going wrong, and, you know, that... Yeah, the, the having, I mean, and and I think Connor's right. It's, it's a there's a narrative warning for us is that this is turning into horror now. Yeah, yeah, yep, yeah. I mean, but I don't disagree with you. I mean, it's kind of like I don't know. It's yeah. I mean, as we will get a, a few pages in, um, I just had another a, a couple of other thoughts as well. But um, no, no, for sure, no. I, I agree that there's a. It is kind of like a little window into what what is to come. Um, so. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll get to that in a couple of pages. Um, just uh, in the next uh, the next page, um, 
Okay, so this next page, uh, so she's had that uh, conversation with patient 86, and um, she needs to dig further into his past. So she goes to the military hospital, um, and just a, a quick shot of her going there with the sign Department of Veteran, looks like affairs, um, and she meets up with the doctor, and he she has a conversation with him, and he, he works at that hospital, uh, and he says... Um, and she gives him a, a glowing kind of review, like, you know, he, he's treated patient 86 and says, yeah, he's a, he's a good fella, um, you know, he's a very warm guy. Uh, and uh, so she, she just talks, uh, she just says, trust me, I know his eagerness. She, she agrees, that, you know, he's trying to, trying to heal himself. Uh, and then he kind of confides in there saying, look, you know, strictly off the records and all that, I've seen a lot, but, um, but you know, he's such a good guy. Um, anyone would have hurt those, you know, he justifies a patient's 86's actions of hurting those men, saying, because anyone would have hurt those bastards for all they did. So we get a, another little window into to patient 86 in in, um, in this page here. Well, there's another little point as well when he said they, they couldn't keep him there because he joined under a forged alias. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, true, Which true. means uh, that even uh, the name the army had for him wasn't right. That's true. Yeah. So, so really, the mystery no of him. Has, yeah. So there's a mystery there. Yeah. Oh, that is intriguing. I wonder. Which yeah. I didn't notice I wonder, until I just reread that, and I'm like, oh. Yeah. Oh, huh, we really don't know who he is. Yeah. Oh, I didn't notice that until just then as well. Yeah. So, um, wow. I wonder if it will ever be revealed. But, um, uh, but the, this page, I, I think, is is pretty standard. As well, um, again, just just Emmett doing a bit of investigative um, work, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get get a bit of info on him. Um, yeah, so uh, let's go to the next page. Yeah, in, in what a in what a talk sort of um, showed what Emmett was thinking about patient eighty six. We get a whole new look in uh, into patient eighty six as um, because as Emmett leaves. She gets a um, patient shouting at her to wait in a sort of showing that he's dishevelled with a hole in his sock, and he uh, asks whether <laughs> she's here about the uh, the nameless one. Um, yes. And he he's very distressed, saying that uh, they won't listen to him. Uh, he was serving time over there, and that uh, it was impossible. They had him tied up naked, but he somehow managed to start a fire with his hands bound, as we saw in that um panel before when he was looking at his past. And as he's uh, dragged away, we see that um, Emmett gets a, a bit of a, a text message to show that she needs to get back to Ravencroft now as something big has gone down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, loved, uh, loved the close-up of uh, Burroughs did on this, uh, this maniac's face. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, uh, a desperation uh, I love abounds the two there. orange panels. Yeah, those yeah. were real yep. standard. They sort pop of out, yeah. Mm, that's that's the word. <laughs> yeah, and again, like the close-ups on the eyes um, with him, and he's dragged away. Um, but yeah, it's a it's a it's a little little insight in stark contrast to um, to what we saw on the page before about him being a you know a genteel sort of fella. Mhm. And then back at Raven, <laughs> I get the really nice one, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> There's a nurse yeah. showing Dr. Emmett into a clearly bloody door room, uh, and she's saying, like, um, well, Emmett's got the internal monologue saying, was everything she did for nothing? I believe I can make a difference. Mm-hmm. Here I am again. 
at the whim of a raw elemental power of insanity. Um, yeah, I love that line. Yeah, the, the nurse is letting her in, saying we found him, we immediately restrained him, so nobody else besides Nurse Hayworth could be hurt. Also, there was no other way to retrieve her nose. <laughs> and interestingly enough, in those two panels, I think, from my eye, we don't have straight lines anymore around the panel. Oh, oh, oh yeah. Right. So It's starting um, to fray. Yes, yeah. there's slightly jagged edges. Um, wow. We get, obviously, you can see patient 86 is restrained. He's hunched over. Emmett's, like, looking in shock. There's still all the pictures on the wall, all the hieroglyphics. Yeah. But now they're overlaid with... Um, symbols painted in blood of anks yeah. and eye of horses and scarabs and other little hieroglyphic things and yes. um and she's like hey. what and and she's like why damn it and he's like yeah. um patient 86 who looks now proper totally has lost himself um yeah when i revealed myself to her she didn't believe yeah and this looking is more a, and more like the dream version of him. Yeah, it's, he doesn't look um, as placid or as <laughs> no. human as he did before. There's certainly uh, some burrows. life in those eyes and face now. Yeah, exactly. I think we're we're entering Burroughs' wheelhouse here. He's um he definitely knows how to draw sinister kind of looking yeah. looking and people. And his, his beard is full of blood as well. Oh yeah, who who knows what he did? Well, clearly, <laughs> to, <laughs> clearly like, like, they had to get know. her nose back from him. So yeah, mm. oh, it's uh, truly terrifying. Um, and this is um, so I just wanted to again go back to the last couple of pages. So we're speaking just about um, again I think with uh, I think the way Bemis has 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 written this when I first read this. To me, it was such a like bang, bang, bang. Those three three pages mm. were so three different pages. I found the pacing really kind of hard to latch onto. It was to me, it felt almost too quick. Uh, I can almost say that you know it would have been great if there were a few more pages in between this. Um, it seemed that there was a lot more to, to kind of I don't know tell. Either that or um, there may have been a bit of a, a rush or a, an an obligation, it seemed, from Bemis to try and um, show a softer side of patient 86 when when Emmett's talking to the doctor. Try to try to get your empathy, you know, even more so, um, and try and he's trying to kind of emphasise that. But then a couple of pages later, he's just gone total oddball, you know, with with the blood and the and the straitjacket. I don't know. I found it, I found it um, quite again disconcerting the the pacing of it um yeah what, what what did you think um i thought that the last time we saw patient 86 he was dismissing her and said he had to meditate more no not meditate more was he, he was saying yeah i'm spending the afternoon in meditation yeah, to... so yeah. from him jumping that to going full-on uh killer or blood painter uh and <laughs> nose bitery um I can kind of see that. I'm not saying yeah. that because he's obviously like, he's already, he's rejected her. He's going to go off on his like, whatever path he's going off on. And I think the need to go to the veteran affairs medical facility was to get us, not that he was the more placid side, but mm -hmm. I think was to get us that thing about his name. And then to oh, drop yes, in right. the guy saying, 
how could they have been set on fire if he was tied up? Yeah, well, that's the only that page is the only time that we hear that he, you know, that he didn't burn them through conventional means. That it's, uh, I yeah. mean, we kind of known that through the previews, but it seemed that it was dropped there quickly. Just so that would make sense of it later on. I think we've kind on, of had clues just... of it. When you see the picture of him flashing back to the abuse, he's tied up naked. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, and she talks about him being force-fed however many cans yeah. of urine. Oh, oh, yeah, definitely abused, mm. but but no super, no supernatural powers. No, no, powers no. But I, th- I think actually it made a connection that I hadn't made. Is that we? You're right. The flashback shows him as tied up. No one's actually yes. said how he did burn them. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, you know, like I, I, logically, I don't, I don't even think about it. I'm just like, yeah, he burnt them. And then, but every picture right. is like kind of showing him being, like, held down, I guess, to be made to drink the urine or tied up. Yeah. So how did yeah. he do this? And I guess we're all assuming he just got up in the night, poured some petrol over someone, you know, like mm. burnt them somehow. Um. So that's your first sign that of some supernatural. Dealings, I guess. Yeah, I, I, I guess I guess maybe being spoiled from the preview images of um I think one of the the issue covers of the mm. the sun god um of him you know wielding fire and stuff um so in the back of my mind patient eighty six because he, he's I think I call him a bearded burbler kind of last mm. episode yeah <laughs> uh, so in my mind that he always was going to have this sort of power but it was just when they were going to reveal it and it seemed like it hadn't been told or spoken of up until this point, and it seemed like, oh, we've got to quickly kind of fit it in there. Yeah, you see, um, I, I thought that more yeah. we would see him come to be in, come to have Ra come to him in the same way oh, as Conchie okay. comes to Mark. So I guess yeah, I, I right. saw it as like it hasn't happened yet. It's going yeah, to happen. Yeah. And this is more saying, hmm, maybe it happened all along. And Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. And this yeah. whole thing has triggered it in him that he remembers or something. I don't know. It's like, it, mm. it, it just gave, I guess it didn't feel as disjointed for me as, say, the nightmare sequence did. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and how about you, Connor? Did you, uh, were you um, shocked as, as as both of us as well at, at this uh, reveal of the page of him looking quite sinister? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think possibly, I, I definitely get um, rereading it, what, you do, uh, what you're saying, but in the first read, uh, that didn't sort of... Um, I, I don't think it, uh, I, I really noticed it. It was uh, I like the sort of sort of last reaffirmation that he is a good guy, only to see the mystery that you know something's wrong and that Emmett's done wrong. And yeah, I, I'm really in half minds about it. I think it could have been definitely sort of spread out longer, but I still kind of like this, the sudden sharp turn and the sudden you know mm-hmm. mystery of a page only for the truth revealed to be you know a bit later. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's really hard to sort of put my finger on it, which is kind of a shit answer. But <laughs> oh, no, it's all right. Yeah, no, I mean, I'd, yeah, I just thought that the leap was just so big. But again, I guess we're dealing with an insane person here, so uh, yeah, it, it's it's hard to kind of uh, justify pacing, you, mm. you know, when someone can just add a flick of a switch, just go, you know, uh, and and I guess you know that that might be definitely what. Bemis is aiming for this um, lulled into a false sense of security with this guy being so kind of understanding and warm and and, and, and wanting to heal himself mm. and then this shock of him just totally drenched Losing in blood it. and it's yeah. like mm. oh it's just it was it was a real shock so um, 
so if we go to the next page, uh, we get more of Burroughs' um, sinister-looking patient 86. God, yeah, what a quick change from warm oh. face to... Whew. Yeah, just snarling teeth and um and and shadowed eyes, and uh, Emmett is kind of pleading with him like she's she's in tears. Um, she's saying she wants to know who are you really because as as you mentioned, Rebecca, this guy is a complete mystery. Um, and she thought she understood him. She thought she read him. Like she said earlier in the thing, sometimes I feel like I can have a beer with this guy because she just seems to know him and and think that she can read him so well. Uh, so she basically says, in bold, uh, from Corey Petita, who are you? And uh, it, a, a terrifying look on his face with the blood. He goes, um, you of all people should know my teacher. Call me by my name. Say it. And uh, we get this uh, final affirmation that, that Emmett has kind of misread this guy totally. Yeah. Uh, by thinking that, oh, she kind of calls him tentatively Konshu. Uh, because that's what she was thinking he'd be aligning himself with, and he just drops his head back and has a bit of a bit of a sneer, and then we get the first sense of the, I guess, the sun godness. Uh, his eyeballs start to fire up, and he says, "Konshu uh, is nothing next to me." So terrifying, terrifying stuff. Um, yeah. A- any thoughts on this page, or um, I-, I see a bit more of the fraying around the yeah. edges of the of the panels. Mm. Um, so uh, again, a conservative way. Burroughs is is starting to to, to fracture. Um, you know, parallel with that with Smallwoods uh, and Lemire's run before things would start to go upside down and triangular and <laughs> you know inside out. Um, but it, this different sort of insanity uh, has more of a horror element to it. Yeah, and then as we uh, as that sort of final affirmation, we get the uh, the massive sort of big supernatural change when we get a full panel page of uh, um, patient eighty six bursting out of his uh, his restraints and his his mm. clothes in a just a full inferno as a as an Emmett sort of reacts sort of trying to guard herself against this massive swathe of flames rising from him yeah we're not short of um splash pages this is a no. red one isn't it uh, here's an, and then no? and then the next page is uh, another interesting use of panels they're getting smaller oh yes of, yeah oh so yes yes they're sort of ever so more, slightly yeah so like very slightly each it's hard to explain, but if you imagine them all getting slightly smaller on a diagonal, um, mm. uh, so it becomes more and more claustrophobic as you read it. You see uh, patient 86 emerging from this big fiery, looks like fiery monster because of the perspective, but still human sized. Um, the flames are sort of spreading throughout the room. Emmett's clothes are on fire. She's saying, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. Um, he's you're getting more of him as sort of naked human rather than flaming thing. Uh, I wanted to yeah. before I go. I have to take leave of you now. And she's going, "What are you? Who are you?" Um, he's saying that uh, whatever made me the way I am is irrelevant. You brought me purpose. You showed me that I am and has always been a god. Um, and then so that's all you get. All of those with the flames, and every panel in this is very orange. And then the last yes. one you get Emmett's. Um, Face in complete horror, the flames yeah. reflected on her glasses. Her hair's now come out of its bun. 
Um, and she <laughs> sort of calls him by what he is, Amon Ra. Yes, the real she's finally the realization just hits her, and uh, you you see that the nurses in the background as well they're all friggin' engulfed in flames. Yeah. Um. So it's not only just a show of power with the fire. He's he's killing people and it, it's quite you know it's quite terrible. He he's he's on the warpath here, um. And yeah, it's a it's a, it's a great page. But his face um, back to clean. All the flames have cleaned him off. There's no blood on him anymore. He's uh, yeah, back to yeah. talking quite placidly again. Um, yeah. So I, I was thinking, I was thinking as well, like because um, that big splash page. <laughs> I know it's silly, but the first thing I thought was um, the Human Torch. Yeah, yeah. I thought like, yeah, is, <laughs> is this guy like a yeah? Is he a mutant or is it yeah? You know, or because he's had this ability before, and he's only linking it now to the sun god Ra, yeah. right? So he, yeah, he could well, very well be, a mu- or an inhuman as well. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Uh, oh, yes. Um, so next page, uh, we get him with, with the burning eyes and uh, a, a pointing finger at... Um, and we get terrifying text here from Bemis saying um, he's very sure of himself and he's very aggressive. Uh, Conchu will bow to me after I crack his spine and peel the skin from his body and pluck his eyeballs from him from his skull. He will bow to me. So uh, he's um, he's on a mission as well, and he he knows what he wants to do. Uh, he wants to overturn Conchu. Who we heard previously, um, Conchu was considered the great, the greatest god of the gods. Um, so there's obviously a, a one-up, one-upmanship here, and Ra wants to be seated as the greatest of the gods. Uh, and as Emmet goes up in flames, uh, we still get thoughts from her um, as she as she's dying, and she has a quick um, uh, quick memories of of things kind of piecing together, and the images that we saw previously. Of um, of him naked, being bound in the army and taunted by uh, his fellow soldiers, and when he was young, um, being abused, we see that possibly in reality he had actually um, combusted his um, tormentors, um, both as a young boy and as a soldier. So uh, this is how, and she's realised this is how he has burnt them all, not not through some, you know. Um, pouring of petrol, as you say, or, or some other thing. Uh, he's got this awesome power at his disposal. Uh, predominantly all orange here, and panel-wise, it's, again, starting to be a bit more uh, disjointed. There, uh, A bit more angles are introduced. We've got the frayed edges. And similar to what you mentioned, Rebecca, before, um, that the large um, images at the bottom uh, seem to continue up um, mm. through the background. Mm. So... Pretty, Lopez's uh, pretty good stuff. on the fire is yeah, amazing. It's gorgeous. Very good, isn't it? It's yeah. um, such a turn. It, he keeps and, and it looking, something... I mean, keeps it looking really dynamic, which can be very hard. Mm. Yeah. And it's it something that he'll have to... properly, yeah. Exactly. And, and he has to be on his game because I think with, uh, with the Sun King, uh, there's a lot of flames up ahead. Yes, I think so. And uh, Connor, you have the honour of the the final page. Yeah, as the uh, the fire firefighters arrive and the ambulance uh, puts to uh, uh, put out the fl- uh, flames, you realise that uh, one of the doctors there realises there's a survivor, 
And uh, she's uh, talking to the survivor, the ma'am. Listen, uh, we're going to get you out of here, but you're going to have to hold on for me. Uh, the doctor calls for like uh, support. She's uh, uh, this lady is obviously on her on her last bit and needs to get in an ambulance immediately. And um, you know, he asks her to try speaking for me. Can you uh, can you breathe? And she says, I believe very quietly. Uh, and then the burnt figure of a uh, obviously uh, much like a Dr. Emmett. Sort yeah. of just absolutely, absolutely. It's horrifying. Terrible. Mm. Saying that she, uh, she said, I believe, I believe, and then somehow manages to almost shout and scream that as a uh, smiling Amon Ra walks away from her into the into the night, uh, away to start hey. his, uh, his war. <laughs> his uh, war against Conchu. It mm. begins. I like the it begins and, instead of to be continued great, that you normally get, you know, comics. The nice, great touch because what we've got essentially is uh, the origin of at least of, of this um, big bad for Moon Knight. So it certainly has begun. And uh, yeah, what a what a terrifying look. I was really sad for Emmett actually. I was really liking her throughout this whole issue, mm. and I had to kind of relook at the page before and um, make sure that it wasn't her in the flames. Although you know it's pretty <laughs> obvious that it was. I was trying to make make sense that ah. Oh, could she have, like, has she gone? Is that just one of the nurses I or something? I didn't feel that sorry for her, though. Like, I'm like, she's really? No. Yeah. I'm so glad I'm going to come out as the, the mean person I am. But I was like, she was a bit of, like, she didn't really read the situation very well. No, she, she, um, yeah, she, she, I mean, I don't, I'm not all. saying she deserved what she got, because I don't think she did, <laughs> but, um, and yeah. I like the character, so I hope she does like come into it again so yeah. i would have been sad to lose her but i think that like if yeah. if you are the person who inspires your previously placid patient yeah that's to start eating well, yeah. noses and and setting people you know like uh causing chaos then yep. maybe there's a little bit of a comeuppance oh no absolutely um yeah she, she's a lot more sympathetic than she was shown in lemire um she was seen as the yes. out and out i guess villain um so there was a, a bit more empathy for her but yeah right she she was deeply flawed um but it just gets me to see that second last panel just yeah. the, the look no, of her oh my god she's just like oh it's a truly terrifying and and she starts she ends screaming i believe and she starts laughing maniacally um so she has totally lost yeah. it um i mean and i hope my cats are okay if we can go back to the serious thing <laughs> i'm i'm hoping that she has an automatic feeder or something yeah, that you know that, allows them to i'm be sure fed. Her, her awful mi <laughs> her awful ivy league friends like cats and, <laughs> uh, do you think she'll be invited to another dinner party or no, i think I she know. might invite herself to one <laughs> Oh gosh, I would like to see that. So, um, so loonies, that ends this first yeah. mammoth chapter in Bemis's run. Um, oh gosh, what a what a what a an issue. Oh my gosh, I think I've oh, I'm just looking. I've ruined the uh, I've ruined the cover to it. I've just been holding onto it so tightly. <laughs> It's oh good job gosh, you've got oh, five well. copies, eh? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, but um, wow. So, uh, and also there's a little bit at the end, um, uh, just the, the primer pages that we saw yeah. earlier, um, just a little recap as a, a you know, what what, uh, what Moon Knight is all about. Which um, introduces a whole new way of Mark dying that doesn't align with either the original of what we've seen in Lemire. Mm. 
Yeah. He apparently shot running into the temple and died from gunshot wounds under the statue of Khonshu, which we've never seen before and makes me wonder. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, another retelling. Yeah. Yet another. <laughs> yeah, so um, I guess we shall give... How do we go with our Crescent Art ratings? Take it away, Rebecca, I believe. Uh, I'm going nine. I think we can get better out of them. So I don't want to give it ah. ten straight away. Like, I, I, yeah, think right. there's, I think there's a, a perfect issue coming. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I think Beamer said his, oh, well, that, that was in Scare Factor. He gave it an eight himself. Mm-hmm. Um, Connor, what, what, what would you give your present art ratings? Uh, I'm thinking um, four and a half out of five. I think for the issue it is, it did it super, super well. So what he's basically um, saying is nine out of ten. Just Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, so, so, yeah. yeah exactly. Um, yeah, and uh, just sort of, you know, I, I love this issue. I think the art and... Um, the art and colouring is amazing. I think Bemis writes very smartly, very eloquently. You know, he just seems such a natural fit for this, for, for writing comics and this incredible story he's crafting. But yeah, as Rebecca said, you know, this is this is this is the prologue. This is the the first chapter of a of a larger novel. Obviously, you know, it, it blew me away for what it is. But what's coming next has me even more excited and will probably you know blow this one out of the water. Yeah. yeah, it was a it was a pretty impressive issue, and I'd uh, I'd have to again, yeah, I would give it a, a nine out of ten crescent darts, four and a half out of five crescent darts as well. Um, just generally, generally, what when I read comics as well, if if it's a an enjoyable comic, uh, I'm pretty pretty liberal, and I usually give it a four out of five. This one I'd have to bump up a little bit more, but yeah, I'm like you, Rebecca, I don't want to give it the full the full uh, you know, ten out of ten. Uh. Yeah, it has some some room room to improve, but it also is the first issue, so it is setting up a lot of stuff. And and I found it very cool how Moon Knight actually wasn't in it, and um mm. and we got well, to actually look at these characters. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all, and and just having more of an insight into Patient eighty six and Doctor Emmett. So um it, it it exceeded my expectations, but it, it actually also surprised me as well. Um so uh yeah so. There you go, loonies. That's uh, an even 9 out of 10 all round from all three of us. Uh, if you haven't picked it up yet, please do. It's it's still available in uh, many different um, versions. Also available on Comixology as well. And um, um, so... they sent it to a second print run. So. Oh, oh wow. yay! So... Wow, that was quick. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Uh, so, fantastic stuff. Get on, get on it. Um well, that's it for this episode, guys. Um, thank you so much, Rebecca, for uh, spending yeah. the time. I, I noticed um, I know that you were under some time restraints. It got um, cancelled mid mid Oh, okay. So don't worry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. So thank thank you so much for hanging around and uh, yeah. yeah. Hope it's uh, always a pleasure. Ah, <sighs> <That's laughs> an interesting voice that for this podcast and your um everything, every, all your own ideas and everything you bring to this. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely awesome. Um, Connor, we have our next phase. Um, so we've, we've got a bit of a wait, I guess. Now, we're, we're concentrating on Bemis, so it's just the Bemis run um, we're waiting for. But in between then... Yes, um, we are going to be going back through the entire library of Moon Knight's history for uh, 
new readers and old for people to get uh, reacquainted to discover the classics to see how Moon Knight progressed over time and just sort of as our old as our original classic review. So to kick it off, we'll be taking to his first appearance, his first story in a uh, uh, Werewolf by Night issues 32 and 33. Um, I um, may not be here next week and most certainly won't be here the week after, but um, uh, hopefully as well we have a Moon Knight Legends figure review coming soon, mm-hmm. which will be exciting to do as well. So yeah, just throw, yeah, that, throw cool. that out there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it, it should be pretty cool. Um, we'll try to get some uh, guest narrators as well, uh, but those uh, those issues should be good. And uh, this was off the back of a suggestion from one of the loonies, Keith. So thank you, Keith. And and it's a great idea actually to to go through chronologically uh, all of Moon Knight's appearance. So it's a big undertaking, but um, hey, uh, why not? <laughs> we can do it. Um, we can do it. Uh, um, next uh, segment, Spectacle, I, I, just uh, for shout-outs, uh, what I wanted to do, um, so we, we gave a panel-by-panel panel review. I wanted to shout-out to one of our loonies, Joel T. Lewis. He's uh, one of our dedicated loonies on the Facebook group, and he also writes a blog uh, on Nerds That Geek. It's uh, it's all about comic books, and he's a big Moon Knight fan. And uh, if you'll just indulge me, uh, I wanted to read it out um for you uh we'll put the the link to to his um to his blog as well he's written a ton of stuff so um fantastic reads um but this was his view on um on moon knight he said uh, i thought i would never love again i had honestly convinced myself that nobody could fill the void left by the departure of jeff lemire and greg smallwood from the moon knight series I was sure that no matter how good Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs' version of the Jet and Silver Avenger was, it would feel like a shadow of the former series. Now you can say what you want about Marvel misunderstanding the trends of the comic industry. You can speculate about the impact of an industry titan like Brian Michael Bendis transitioning to write for DC. You can even take issue with the whole philosophy behind the newest Marvel Legacy and Venom Universe events. But reader, rest assured... When it comes to Moon Knight, Marvel is firing on all cylinders. Say anything, frontman and budding comic book storyteller Max Bemis and Avatar Press regular Jason Burroughs pulled off a gutsy and spectacular first issue of their crazy runs in the family arc. Bemis' first issue focuses on the mysterious origin of the newest addition to the Moon Knight's rogues gallery, a villain called The Truth from the perspective of Dr. Emmett, the therapist we met in Lemire's run. While Bemis addresses Emmett's obsession with with Spectre and his unique neuroses after their interactions in the previous series, Moon Knight himself is absent from the issue and only appears in a dream sequence. Now the dream sequence is outstanding and terrifying as it depicts a horde of mummies foiled in their attempts to attack Dr. Emmett by a Moon Knight who turns out to be the truth in disguise. But it's a pretty risky move to open a brand new Moon Knight series without the title character appearing at all. In this case, it was a risky move that paid off. By depicting Dr. Emmett's obsession with Spectre and detailing how she uses him as a case study for trying to help her other patients, Bemis managed to put together an origin story for the truth that acts as a dark echo of Moon Knight's birth. Dr. Emmett's misguided attempt to provide her mysterious new patient with an Egyptian god metaphor to cling to as a stabiliser the way she thought Spectre did with Khonshu leads to the birth of the truth. 
It's almost the neurological equivalent of scientists trying to recreate the super soldier serum that made Steve Rogers' Captain America and creating other superheroes. Emmett's introduction of the Egyptian mythology as an anchor for her patient backfires, and instead of mirroring Spectre's progress, the truth chooses rather violently a more extreme path. This is a, a villain origin story so well suited to Moon Knight and so unique that Mooney's absence from the pages of the first issue doesn't diminish it in the slightest. I have to apologise, dear readers, as we embark on this second Moon Knight series together, because barring some major misstep down the line, you're going to be subjected to another series of reviews from a gushing mess of a fanboy who was lucky enough to turn his reviewer's gaze on Moon Knight during the character's second renaissance. Bemis has thoroughly impressed me with this first issue. His writing is a delicate balance of playful and poignant handling Emmett's and poignant handling. Emmett's practiced bedside manner skillfully in one panel and doling out insightful interpretations of Egyptian mythology in the next. Artist Jason Burroughs is no slouch either. In this first issue, Burroughs presents us with his take on Khonshu, Ra, mummies, bloodstained asylum walls, Moon Knight himself, and a whole lot of fire. His work is excellent, and a page-sized depiction of Moon Knight fighting off the mummies in Dr. Emmett's dream is one of my favourite moments in Moon Knight artwork, period. This is a great jumping-on point for the character, and I cannot recommend it enough. I can't wait for the next issue. Until next time, geek on. So thank you so much, Joel. That is a fantastic review. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, and uh, summed up a lot of our points, I guess, as well. Yeah. Um, I, I did, yeah, I did note that he did mention patient 86 as the truth. Is um, he onto something? I think I, I still think so, since uh, because of the Hebrew connection, I'm still voting for Emmett being truth, being the ah, truth. So I would yes. not be surprised. Ah. Yeah, I, th- I think that's exactly where we're gonna, where and how we're gonna see her again. Oh, um, okay. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, that actually does work well, and I'm yeah. glad that works because I really did love that, uh, Rebecca. Yeah. That was a really good connection. Um, so thank you again, uh, Joel. Uh, any other shout-outs there? Uh, yeah, I should just I should probably point out that I'm recording on the Immortal Iron Fist podcast tomorrow. Uh, we do a similar thing, but not but maybe a little bit less professionally. Uh, but it's good stuff. It's uh, we're going through the current Iron Fist run at the moment, um, and at some point going to also look at Immortal Iron Fists and mm-hmm. talk Defenders. Yeah, the um the current run is really good. I'm really enjoying that. Uh, Connor, mm. your pick, you've got that as well. Yes, I, uh, I do. Um, I haven't decided whether I'm going to drop it or not. It's a great, it's a it's a great series. I'm just juggling out my pull list for the coming yeah. year. But I've loved everything I read so far. It probably has like the best action scenes in comics currently. Yeah, it it's does. amazing uh, fight sequences. That and Defenders yeah. both have incredible fight sequences for Iron Fist. Yeah. And I love uh, I love uh, the team up with Sabretooth uh, in the in the current yeah, run. Yeah, it's interesting to cause yeah, the first it works podca- well. The first of the first podcast of theirs I sat in on um, was the original Sabretooth run. Oh, yeah. cool! Yeah, right. so it's kind of it's kind of weird to be back to that, but kind of cool. Great, cool, cool. Um, well, that's that's it. Loonies, thank you so much. Uh, it's been a blast, again, going through this panel-by-panel panel review. Um, you can find us on email 
uh, on moonnightpodcast at gmail.com, on our website, which is intothenightpodcast.wordpress.com, and from there you you can be taken to a lot of our other social um, media sites, such as Facebook and Twitter. Uh, we're quite active on our Facebook group, so if you go to facebook.com slash groups slash intothenight, uh, you can find us there um, posting up stuff and discussing stuff. Uh, come say hi um, or drop your thoughts in as well. Uh, we're also on Instagram, Tumblr, and YouTube. Um, and I think also we're kind of tentatively on iHeartRadio now, Connor. Um, oh, yeah. But only, yeah, only on a limited capacity. And having said that, I mean, we're on all good podcast catches. So, um, yeah, you should be able to find us. Find us there, and uh, yeah, we'll be back again shortly to cover more of Moon Knight. But um, yeah, so far we're just um, we're just devouring and absorbing this one. <laughs> uh, any uh, any final words there, Connor? No, no. Um, thank you again so much, everyone, for listening, and thank you, Rebecca, for coming yes, on. Thank you so always. much, Rebecca. It's always a pleasure. Uh, best of best of luck with the recording um, tomorrow as well, and I'll be definitely listening to that as soon as it's dropped as well. So also, also learnings, please, please catch up with Immortal Iron Fist podcast. It's pretty cool. Uh, having said that, I will have to sign off from all of us. May Conchu watch over the denizens of the night. Catch you later. Bye-bye. Bye. Moon Knight and affiliated characters, stories and events are properties of Marvel Characters Incorporated. Materials used and discussed within the podcast are intended for critique and review purposes only under the fair dealing concept of the current Copyright Act. The views, information or opinions expressed during the podcast are solely those of the individuals involved and do not necessarily represent those of the copyright owners.